Hello and welcome to episode 7 of In PS We Trust. Now my name's Davey and joined with me as always is Phil. Hello, hello. And Spencer. Bunga bunga. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I've been out done, haven't I? (laughs) He's done you, he's done you. First time forever, mate. I thought it was me with the funny intros, but now I've gone just with a normal hello. And you've come in with bonga bonga. Bonger, mate. Bonger. Oh, bonger. Bug snacks. Right. That's why I don't get the reference. So we're a fortnightly PlayStation podcast, and we each bring one topic of discussion to the table to then go in depth on. But first, before we do that, what are you drinking? Uh, Well, tonight, boys, I'm actually mostly just on the coffee. I've only had one coffee so far. I've got a carton of orange juice next to me and i do have a bottle of fireball should i choose to drink later on but we'll have to see so what what's the reason why you're absenteeing because if you you've got alcohol there normally you're pretty reliant on sponsorships from (laughs) other people giving you alcohol and buying your opinion for that episode and 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 pretty reliant on alcohol generally also true of course you're a functioning alcoholic as, as as much as we all are. And I don't think there's anything too wrong with that. I mean, sure, your liver's probably uh, probably going to give out on you in the next 10 years. But, you know, you're a young man, so I'm sure, it, I'm sure it's going to be okay. You do have a mean collection of bottles just by the side of your bed, which I'm admiring right now. There's labels on there with morning, bed and night as well, which is uh, which I find <laughs> quite odd. <laughs> we are recording this um, the day after. Uh, well, we're, we're recording it on New Year's Day, aren't we? Um, let me just check my watch. Yeah, it is New Year's Day. Every day seems to blend together with COVID, doesn't it? it does, yeah. um, so was it was it heavy night last night, Spencer? Is that why you're on the coffee to uh, kick off this podcast? Mostly, yeah. It was, it was a bit of a heavy night. I ended up drinking until maybe 6am and then I stayed up until 12pm. Kids these days. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't handle it. <laughs> it wasn't great. I think me and Laura were in bed by two and that, that was pretty hardcore for us. We stayed up, we watched um, Jules Holland, we watched The Hootenanny, we had a couple of glasses of wine, and, and that was our evening. It, it seems to me like this is going in levels. So, Spence is obviously living the young man's <laughs> life. He's like drinking, having a good time. Me and my wife were playing PlayStation and drinking in bed, and we went to bed about 2, 2.30, around about there. And then Phil's gone the other way, where he's just having midnight cheese and snacks <laughs> with, his, with his wine and Jules Holland. So it's like... I've got this to come. I've got this to come. May I have had so much cheese over the last couple of days. Seriously, I, I, I've gone off it now. I don't want any more cheese for the rest of the year. And <laughs> I, I love cheese, but oh, the amount of cheese and, and ham charcuterie boards we've had over the last like week or so, it's just mad, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm out now. 2021. No cheese. No cheese for me. That's insane. No cheese. A whole year. That's my no New cheese. Year's resolution. No cheese for me. See, it's gone the other way for me because I'm, I've got a big sweet tooth. Like, I always think to myself, if I didn't have any self-respect, I'd be a massive fat bloke <laughs> and I'd love it, right? I would love it because I just love sweet things. I love chocolate, I love sweets, I love all that stuff. And so this time of year and Easter are really where I just let myself go and indulge. I've just eaten so much chocolate, shortbread, cakes, everything like that. I've eaten so much of it last two weeks that by the time... New Year's resolutions start, which is from Monday, I guess, that I'm just going to be sick of it. Are you still going to the gym, Davey, or uh, have you you cut back on that as well? 
cut back on that a little bit just because it's constantly closed. Yeah. So every couple of weeks is closed in Wales. So what's the point? Might as well wait until until Mark Drakeford allows us to actually go. I end up starting, and then a week later, it's shut again. So I'm just I'm at the point. Well, what's the point? Might as well just sit there and just be a fat slob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're lucky over in, in in England. You know, they they've opened them and they've just stayed open. But um, God God knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Really, it's uh, tragic. Yeah. Could go either way, but um, I, I I've been trying to you know get back a couple of days a week in the gym just to just to keep this fine physique in in you know tip top shape as you can see on the webcam. That's it for me. That's all I've been drinking, boys. <laughs> what about you, Phil? Mate, what are you drinking? Well, tonight, Spencer, I am drinking Bud Light to start off with. So I know you boys aren't, aren't fans of Bud Light. So I have got a couple of normal buds lined up uh, for a little bit later because I know how these podcasts go. We start off quite kind of timid and then towards the end, we ramp it up for those really important in-depth conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll break out the higher volume alcohol for those uh, later points. I bet you can't wait. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something to look forward to. I mean, to be fair, anytime I see you take a sip of that Bud Light, it physically hurts me. So I'm quite glad that you can just clear through them and just move on. For me, no surprise, after last episode's divergence away from the Spanish lager, I'm back. Full time on the Estrellas. Although I do have a special bottle here, which I'll crack when we actually properly start. Of Camden Hells, which I've never had. And the only reason I bought it is because the label feels really nice. Such a random thing to have a, a label feel some kind of texture on it. And I, I quite like it. So you've chosen your lager like a blind man would. <laughs> I, I, I have, yeah. Going around, touching up all the bottles, whatever feels the nicest, that's what you've gone for. Well, I was kind of, I was in a bit of a, a bit of a bind. I had a bottle of Camden Hells, and then I had a bottle of um, Punk IPA Lost Lager in my hand. <laughs> I okay. thought, well, I, I constantly take the piss out of you drinking Brew Dog and all this stuff. I am from Bristol, mate. I've got to live up to that stereotype. Yeah, always taking the piss out of it. So I was like, well, I can't really buy this. And then when I was holding both bottles, my thumb just passed across the front of the Camden Health label. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is this is a whole other level to this. I'm now getting there. Not only the taste sensation when I open it, but the touch sensation. So okay. I, I'm kind of looking forward to opening it. I'll I'll let you know when we get into it and I crack the bottle open. I'll let you know the verdict as we go on. Keep us updated, mate. I, li- I like I a run. Will. I like a running commentary on how you're doing with your alcohol because, I, <laughs> to be honest, I n- I never see a bottle touch your lips. You talk so much during these podcasts. <laughs> it's it, it, and suddenly, like we we get a couple of hours in, and then you, you're slurring your words. I don't know where it comes from. So keep doing you, mate. I just see the thing about it is me. I just don't like to mess around. So I just chuck it in. It just goes down. You know. It goes and the problem is with Estrella, it goes down too smoothly. And that's why I'd like to say, Estrella, if you want a spokesman, I'm your man, all right? I will rep the company like mad. You can't see me at the moment, because obviously this is a audio-only podcast, but I'm decked out head to toe in Estrella. I got the Estrella headband on, Estrella sweatband, got the t-shirt, got the boxes, head to toe. Don't you just hate it when people do things for money? I just, I, I hate sellouts, man. It's horrendous. So, so that was for that was for Joe. A little movie quote. Um, we'll we'll see if he can guess what that was from. I think he'll. I think he'll know. 
what that is. Hey, mate, I've, I've watched, you know, a handful of movies and I'm, I'm picking from that pot now. I'm going to drop them in throughout the podcast now. You got a good movie in there, and you actually sent me in our private chat. You sent me a um, Terminator Two thumbs up gif the other day, and I thought, "Oh my god, has he watched Terminator 2? Or no. did you just type in thumbs up? <laughs> no, and he's there. No, no, I, I, I just see, I saw the gif from someone else actually, and I thought, actually, Dave, you're like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I so I've, ju- I've just recycled it. I've just recycled it. You, you just sent me the saddest moment in all of cinema, and just sent that to me. I don't know how I didn't have a little cry over that. All of cinema. It's up there. It's one of the only. It's one of the only films I've cried at. That's crazy. I I thought I'd done something wrong because you didn't reply. You were too busy crying. I, I, I was. I was off. Hey. Yeah, I was off crying. <laughs> <to bed>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, lots happened in the last two weeks, lads. Obviously, we've had Christmas, and a lot of people end up getting breaks away from college, work, everything else. Have you had much time to play games recently? And more importantly, what have you been playing? So Spence, why don't you start us off? Right, well, I've actually not been playing too much in terms of like single player games because me and you have mostly just been playing games together. There was one single player game I did really want to finish. And if you couldn't tell from my intro, it's Bug Snacks. It's fun. It's, it's literally the perfect length for what it is. And there's me thinking you were going to say, my name is Mayo too. <laughs> It's on the wish list, mate. It's on my PlayStation wish list. And it's only 99p. So obviously I, I spoke quite a lot about it last last episode and spoke about how I felt there was this kind of split in how the gamer is presented and then kind of the story of it being quite dark. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that now that you've played it? Uh, I guess, did you did you platinum the game? I did platinum as well. it, yes. Um, nice one. Congratulations. Thank so you. Before, before you get on an answer... How close are you to Phil now? I will, I'll say that later on. Here Ooh, we go. Okay. All right. All right. So right. this this isn't a competition, right? Is it not? Like beating someone that isn't bothered about something is a massive dub. Like it doesn't matter, does it? It's like but you saying are bothered about it. It's like saying you're faster than me in a hundred meter race. I don't. Re- I don't run. I don't really care. <laughs> it might not be a competition you signed up for but it's one you're involved in. So now you've completed the game, what are your thoughts on it? Because obviously last time I said about how I thought there was this difference with how it was presented and the story that was being told throughout it, and they were kind of at contrast with each other. I didn't think it complemented the gameplay and presentation of it. What are your thoughts on the game now that you've finished it? Um, Well, I understand where you're coming from with uh, how the story differs from the presentation. But I think it kind of does complement it because it's, it just kind of smacks you from behind, doesn't it? You don't expect it. You go into the game and it hits you and you hear the dialogue and the situations the grumbles are in, which are the characters in the game. Although it's quite dark and grim for them, it is quite funny. So it it does kind of match the presentation. Oh, yeah, it is. It's hilarious throughout. The amount of times I was just like proper belly laughing playing it. So funny. I've got a question for you, Spence. So this game is presented kind of in a childish way, kind of um, the aesthetic. Um, it's very colourful, isn't it? But it does have that dark undertone when it comes to the storyline. Um, does it have an age rating to it? It does. It's a Peggy 7. Okay. So you you could imagine kind of young people sort of downloading this game and playing it. Do you think they would kind of gloss over the story and still get enjoyment out of the game? Or do you feel like the the, the story is kind of maybe a higher rating, you know, for an older audience? 
Yeah, I, I think the story in terms of the younger audience that will play the game um, doesn't matter as much. And most of the dark jokes and the dark scenarios throughout the game will likely just go over their heads. They probably won't understand a lot of it. But I feel <laughs> as though the dark like segments of the game that happen are for the older audience that are going to experience the game. And that's probably why they put it in there. So any age could still enjoy it. So a bit like, I don't know, The Simpsons or Family Guy, where from the, from the outside looking in, it, it's just a cartoon, but then the mums and dads are giggling in the back at the, the adult jokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I feel exactly the same. I think um, the way it's all presented and everything and the way the story's told, it's not like graphic or anything like that. So I, I can imagine if I put my son down to play it, he wouldn't pick up on any of that stuff. Because it's not like overt in the way it's told, but it's still it's still quite... It's quite dark, but it's not overtly dark, you know? It's not Last of Us level dark. Well, I've, I've seen your YouTube video or YouTube review on the game, Davey, and there's a part of it where you're changing parts of um, the, the characters for fruit and for pieces of food. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that could get pretty dark if there's certain anatomy that you can change with certain fruits and foods. <laughs> it's, it's not like cyberpunk. You can't turn someone's dick into a melon or anything, but it is, uh, it, it, it can, it's pretty disturbing. It's kind of nightmare fuel. Okay. Definitely could be nightmare yeah, fuel. You know, changing is. someone's teeth into burgers is, is an act against God. Some of you those, know? some of those characters in your review were pretty, pretty creative. You know? Pretty biblical. They were pretty biblical, yeah. That, that's the kind of thing that you can imagine being a, a locust swarm descended upon some kind of sinful town in the Old Testament. It's horrendous, some of the stuff in there. But yeah, and I, I think most of it most of it is kind of going to go over their head, I think. So it's not it's not too bad. I can see why it would have a, only an age rating of a 7. It doesn't deserve like a 15 or anything. It's not that dark. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in your YouTube re- uh, review, you sort of... Um draw comparisons to sort of Pokemon Go and or sorry Pokemon Snap in the sort of gameplay to, to Bug Snacks. Did you see that similarity as well, Spence? Um yeah, it's very, very similar. Basically it starts and you have a camera and you just have to take pictures of the bug snacks to find out their in like what they like, what they dislike, their path uh, pathing. So you figure out how to trap them. So it's basically it is literally Pokemon Snap and then a mix of regular Pokemon in the mix to try and mm-hmm. catch them as well. So it's, it's a combination of the two. Except it's actually good. Oh, what do you mean? Pokemon Snap is just trash. So boring. All I want to do with Pokemon is I want to battle them. And so instead I'm on an on-rails section. I can't even run around an island. I'm on rails, just taking pictures of Pokemon. I was just I didn't see the point of it back when I was like 10. <laughs> let alone now. It's just like I'm playing, a, I'm playing an on-rail shooter where I just... Take pictures of fake animals. I, I remember getting Pokemon Snap um, as a present. And Did you take it back? I can't take it back. Or I couldn't <laughs> at the time because my parents bought it me as a present from the States. And they didn't realize that the Super Famicom and the Super Nintendo have different sort of slots. They're different sizes to the games. Or was it? Sorry. It was yeah. N64. N64. Sorry, the N64. Yeah. Um, they were they were different sizes. The N sixty four had a different kind of input. So I've got an American version of Pokemon Snap that I've never played. Hold on, sorry. So how old were you when this happened? Twenty five. <laughs> like, <laughs> mate, kid, like basically, you, yeah. you look at you you look at the shelf behind me. There's there's there's, there's Pokemon, uh, you know, figures and things. I I still play Pokemon. Um, no, I'm Go not. I'm not like. Mobile. I'm not um, besmirching your age, like 
your maturity or whatever. Just saying, uh, you have these <laughs> cross-region issues now. How how deep-rooted are these cross-region issues with you? Well, I think, other than that, like, I've never really had one, apart from with the newer generations of consoles. When I was in the States, I would have never bought an American N64 game because I knew it wouldn't work on the console. But my parents, as a present, bought it me, brought it back for Christmas and gave it to me. And I was like, oh, it doesn't actually fit in the console and we can't take it back. So, yeah, there's a story for you. So what else have you been playing then, Spence? Um, I've only really got one other game I've been playing, and that's Overcooked 2. Okay. What a brilliant game. It what is a brilliant absolutely game. brilliant game. Um, basically, a while back, during one of the breaks of lockdown, uh, I went over Davies, and we played some Overcooked, and all I could think was, Jesus, this is stressful. I'm glad I'm not a chef, but at the same time, this is brilliant. <laughs> Why have I never played this game? I'm not sure it's an accurate representation of being a chef, though. No, nah, it definitely is. <laughs> it's definitely exactly a one-to-one comparison. I heard that's how Gordon Ramsay trains his uh, his squad on the next season of uh, Hell's Kitchen. It's just putting them on Overcooked 2 on the last level. Did you play as the dog character or the cat character? There's many characters. I played as the raccoon in a wheelchair. Just like real life! Yeah. My ideology was that the, um, the raccoon could go faster because he's got wheels. And can he? He can't, no. But, you know, ah, okay. placebo and that. Uh, I came around and we played. And I just thought, this game's brilliant. I don't know why I've not played it. And different from Overcooked 1 is that Overcooked 2 actually has multiplayer. Like, online multiplayer. Sorry. It's not just couch co-op. So when I got home, and now in the January sale, Overcooked 2 was on sale. So I bought it. We obviously had to start the game again so I could get trophies. And me and Davey beat the entire campaign in one night. Three starred all of it in one sitting. We said to each other, right, we sat down and um, we were playing, we were about to play COD. And we said, oh, we'll do one world. We'll do one world a night of Overcooked 2. And next thing you know, it's three in the morning and we've just done the entire game, three starred it all. Everything. Who was the weak link out of the two of you? Who, who was the letdown? Because I've played Overcooked a number of times with lots of different people and there's always one that lets you down. I don't think there was one, to be honest. When you're playing for six hours straight and you're both just so in sync, I don't think there is. No, we were, we literally played it so well. I think we only ever had to restart a couple of levels. Most of them we three-starred. We were like, oh, we fucked this. We've absolutely fucked it. And then we'd still be like 200 points over the goal for three-star. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we didn't have any issues at all. Well, of course, me and the less, uh, listeners have no evidence for this. So we'll just take your word for it that you're both absolutely perfect at the game. Actually, there is a bit of evidence for that because not long after that night we both platinumed overcooked too we did so if you were to look at spencer's first ever trophy for free starring or getting three stars on a on a mission and then his platinum in the game you can see it only took within tw- a 24 hour period because it was the following night so spence how many platinums does that put you at now i have eight eight platinums phil what what is your take on this were you are you still at seven trophies are a big waste of time mate <laughs> i haven't changed like my point of view on trophies i i'm i'm just not interested anymore uh, <laughs> in, in trophies i was only interested because i had quite a rare one with little big planets so i think that was the only reason i sort of spouted up about trophies wasn't it um but we did have a chat on uh twitter and one of your, one of your friends i think had a 0.2 did he yeah i yeah. know so 0.2 and his brother's got a 0.1 that's insane. Which is just insane. Mad lads. So, yeah, tryhards. 
Shout, shout out to them too. Well done. Yeah, nice one, Dev. Brilliant work. Dev Rue on Twitter. He's uh, clears all these proper nerdy games. So he mm-hmm. plays all JRPGs and you know all, all that stuff that takes hundreds of hours. But he's got the Platinum on Hollow Knight, which is something I can only dream of. Well done. Spence, is that everything then for you? For me, that is mostly everything, yes. Phil, what about yourself? Well, in terms of gaming, it's been a quiet couple of weeks, actually. I was very lucky that a friend of mine, a friend of the show, Eric, he gifted me a game called Ikaruga, which is a shoot-em-up developed by the guys at Treasure. Um, It originally came out in 2001, and it's always been a game I wanted to check out, which was really nice of Eric, actually, um, to gift me that game over Christmas. So I've been playing a little bit of that on stream, and it is infuriating. It is solid. I don't know if you guys have ever played any of those kind of um, shoot-em-up games. I was a big fan of Super Swift back on the uh, Super Nintendo. Um, but this is a vertical scrolling shoot 'em up game. So kind of like Galaxian. Yeah, very very similar. It's yeah, it's it's retro in its kind of you know makeup, um, but the visuals obviously are sort of modern day, if you like. Yeah. It's out now on. I think they've only just released it now on Switch. So it's they're they're, they're still you know pushing this game. So I've been enjoying that. Um, the sort of unique key feature to this game is the polarity system. So the player can switch back and forth their ship between white and black. So you've got a dark side and a light side to your ship. Um, And all the enemies are either white or dark. So when they shoot their bullets, you can either absorb the colour that your ship is. And also, if you're the opposite colour, when you shoot those ships, uh, you do more damage if you are the opposite colour to the ship you're shooting. So it is interesting in the way that you've got to literally take on board so much information that's going on in the screen at once. Your eyes have to be everywhere. And I, I, I've been playing it through on PC so I can stream it. And my fingers are on fire after playing a mission. It is a crazy game, man. Are you using those up, down, left, right keys on the keyboard? Actually, Davey, for this game, I am using up, down, left, right. But I am also using the mouse to switch polarity. Oh, you're and, not double handed on the you're no, not double handed no. on the on the keyboard keyboard then. No, no, this is this this is up down left right and um yeah, actually using the mouse as well. Adds a little bit of interesting trivia from a fan of the show actually wrote in. Okay. And said to me that up down left right on the keyboard is used for left-handed players. And that is the best way to play if you're a left-handed player, and that's how a lot of uh, World of Warcraft players in his guild will play if they're left-handed. Is using that and then using the number keys around that to play, which I found very interesting. I don't know how that makes sense. No, I'm looking at my keyboard now and I've played World of Warcraft. I'm trying to think about it. I'm not sure if that works. You'd have the mouse in your left hand, wouldn't you? So on the other side. The thing about it is you've got to question what level is he playing World of Warcraft at, right? Because I've known known some players who play World of Warcraft and then some players who play World of Warcraft. It's it's two ends of the scale there, right? You can go through and you can raid and you can get the great items, but are you really, you know, entering all the PvP stuff? Are you going for Worlds first? You know, there's, there's two sort of levels there, isn't there? Oh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I thought it was quite interesting for a throwaway joke that I was making. Uh, and will continue to make about PC. And yet there is actually a use for it. So I, I thought that was just quite a little bit of interesting trivia you guys might enjoy. Well, in this game, Ikaruga, um, there there isn't many controls to the game. It is literally up, down, left, right. You can switch polarity uh, and then you can release the energy that you absorb as well uh, through it. Uh, and of course you can fire. So I have those three binded to my mouse and then I've got up, down, left, right. There's no reason to have any of the other buttons around the keyboard. 
Oh, that's cool. So does it have does it have power ups like with a lot of those kind of games where you go over certain power ups and get like different shoot modes and things like that? No, no. Well, he says this, but he's only on the second level because it is crushingly difficult. So potentially oh, wow. there is power ups later on in the game, but from what I know about that, it is literally the whole idea of uh, switching your polarity and sort of timing that to, to 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 do the max amount of damage on the enemies that are the opposite color to the polarity that your ship is on. That's the key feature. And then, because a lot of the time when you play those games, your eyes are sort of where your bullets are shooting. But with this, you've got to keep an eye on your ship as well to switch the color when you might get hit from an enemy bullet. Because if you check out my streams, it's inevitable you're going to be hit by a bullet. Because there is that it's literally a screen full of bullets, and you've got to calculate distance all around all these bullets all, all the time. It's a headache. Kind of like a rhythm game in in the way that that works. Then, in terms of like, if you had a stream of different color bullets, and you could just kind of like time your way through it. Sounds really interesting, actually. I wonder if that is on PlayStation platforms, or is it just on PC and Switch at the moment? Um, it's on it's on PC, as I said. Um, it's cross gen be- between PS4 and 360, uh, and now it's just been released on Switch. So that's kind of like the newest. Um, generation that's on. Do you say PS3 and 360? Sorry, PS4? P- PS4 and 360. Excuse me. PS4. Yes. Oh, so I can buy I can buy it and play it then on my PS5. I would assume so. Oh, awesome! All right, I'll have a little look at that. That sounds really fun. And I can't imagine it's an, it's an expensive game because, as I said, it came out in 2001. Um, Eric bought it me on the on the Steam store, so he probably got some ridiculous discount. It probably cost him all of four or five pounds. But you know, shout out to him for uh, surprising me on Christmas Day with that. It was a lovely gift. Well done, Eric. No, Friend, that's really nice. Friend of the show, Eric. He's been going back through and listening to all our episodes while he's been playing Elder Scrolls lately, and he's thoroughly enjoying it, even though he's not a PlayStation fan. So, uh, you know, broaden our, broadening our audience there for people that aren't necessarily PlayStation fans, but fans of video games. To be fair, all you need to know is we're going to talk about shit, and it can just go in any way. So even though we got a PlayStation-centric lens, it, that doesn't necessarily mean... That's all we're going to talk about. We've, we've gone into off on some crazy different escapades. We're talking about Resident Evil movies for one episode for a, for a big chunk of it. So it can, go, it can go anywhere. So I saw the other day, actually, Phil, speaking of streaming, that you were streaming God of War. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have time to, to actually tune in and watch your stream, which I felt really gutted about. So how far are you now? And have your thoughts changed on it at all? I'm about four or five hours into, in, into God of War now. And I saw I saw your name actually pop up in uh, in in the chat, but I think I was in 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 combat at the time, and the combat is is still quite intense. Um, I've kind of got to the part where I'm facing I I don't know the names of all these characters, like the flying bugs, basically with the spears. I don't know if they have a certain name. So you've traveled you've traveled through into the the next world. Then there's lots of like goo everywhere, and basically you've got to throw your axe through the goo to break it up. Do you remember that section of the game? And you've got to line it up specifically and if you can multi-hit the goo at certain points you get sort of secrets uh through the yes game. i do yeah i know I, I i'm enjoying it but when it comes to the story i i'm just not invested in it you know I, I don't even know the name of the characters or the zones i'm in right so that probably tells you that i'm not as invested as you guys within the story um but the gameplay i'm really enjoying and it is quite interesting to stream i've had a couple of different people stop by and say hello t- uh to me through uh through through twitch um, but yeah, about four or five hours in, I'm going to continue. I'm going to complete the game, but um, yeah, just not really fussed on the story or the kind of, you know, setting that it's in. I don't really know too much about Norse gods and, you know, all, all, all that style. Well, you've got, you've got a long road ahead of you yet mm-hmm. for that game before it wraps. So 
you've got a lot that happens that that could change your change your opinion on that. So it'll be interesting as you go forward. I'll, I'll play it through. I'll complete it. I'm sure I will. I am looking forward to starting up the Arkham collection that you got me for Christmas, Davy. I think that'll be next on my list. Or oh, wow, it's, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because I got the Arkham collection, and I've also got um, Doom Doom Eternal as well to play. I think with Doom Eternal, mm. Doom Eternal is great. Doom Eternal is fantastic. One of the best games of this year. Yeah, without a doubt. But you're not really. I don't think playing it's going to really add too much in terms of your kind of knowledge. Whereas you've got a couple of Batman games that are on the horizon. Mm. So it might be a good idea to start going through the Batman series as a way then so that you can then kind of gauge your interest in the future products that are coming up from Rocksteady and the rest of the Warner Brothers family because they're all kind of gearing up this year and next. So probably be a good idea to kind of see if you like them or not because obviously you're not massively into Batman as you said before. Maybe I'll put it out to the community, you know, see, see what people want to see on my stream. Um, I'll put I'll put it up as a Twitter vote over the next couple of weeks, sort of thing. Do they want to see more God of War? Maybe start Doom or you know one of the, one of the Batman games. Really, I don't mind dipping in and out, as you know, to to games. I'm not after the platinums. I'm not I'm not chasing Spencer now. Um, I'm I'm just doing it for the love of video games more than the, the competition between us. You know, it, it means nothing to me. I'm glad that you kind of accepted being a loser, and that's fine. The one thing I would say with with Doom is that it is hard. If you were to take like a week break between it, you'll get your ass kicked. Okay. Because it's hard. It, you know, like in June 2016, which you played. Absolutely loved it. You know, that's that's a game that was sitting on my shelf for God knows how many years before I played it. But uh, hell, hell of a game. Excuse the pun. And you know, like by the end of that, by the end of that game, your skills are like so vastly different to the start. And like in terms of how your movement is and how... How kind of how good you as a player are, not like in terms of what the game gives you, because nothing really changes too much. But in terms of your kind of combat prowess, is so much better, mate. I, I think as soon as that metal music switches on, I'll be straight back into it with Doom. I think my skills would just ramp back up. I I love the soundtrack, and it just gears you into playing that game. I couldn't play. I couldn't play Doom. You know on. As I've said previously, um, we're switching off the game music. Doom, you're ramping that straight up to 11. There's another one for Joe Thomas. Um, and, you know, you're rocking out. You're enjoying it all the way through. And it gears you up. It gets you going as you're playing the game. Oh, I, I, I love the music in Doom 1. So looking forward to what Doom Eternal brings with that. It is it is a better game than the first one. I'll give you that. It is. It, it is better. It's fantastic. It's actually incredible. And I know that I got there's some multiplayer stuff that that's kind of getting in the way of me going for platinum on it. But if I can somehow get past that and do the multiplayer stuff, which I really don't want to do, then I'd go for platinum on it, just like I did with the first one because it's so good, such an amazing game. But is that kind of everything for you then, or is there anything else that you've been playing? Any any league? Any any of your of your PC Excel spreadsheet games like uh, <laughs> Eve and, and all that? I, I, I've been holding off on League a little time, trying to invest a bit more time into PlayStation as we're doing the podcast. I've got my dailies on, on, on my mobile games that I'll play, but, you know, we'll, we'll keep things PlayStation uh, this episode. So uh, God of War PlayStation and Ikaruga. It is a PC game, but it is available on PlayStation as well. So there we go, guys. Well, I've already spoken on Spence's, I suppose, about Overcooked 2. So I got the Platinum on that. So that was Platinum 73 for me. So that was quite nice. A really, really fun platinum to get. Really, really enjoyed our time with that. And we're working now through the DLC. 
So the DLC for it is crushingly hard compared yeah. to the fir- in terms of the base game. We'd complete a level and we think, oh yeah, we've done really well on that. And it turns out we're only two star in now instead of three, and that's for World One One of the DLC. So I think we're gonna have quite a tough time on this DLC, but I am looking forward to it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm certainly looking forward to it. It's it's bas- it's literally just the same game, but for each DLC, there's a brand new mechanic, and it just changes it so much. Like it, putting the it logs does make onto the it fire. So much harder. Yeah, you literally have to build the fires and keep them going. You have to pull uh, ingredients out of each other's backpacks rather than on crates in the place. There's a bloody defense mode where you have to defend <laughs> the castle from the unbred. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's really interesting kind of how what they've done is they've said, right, well, we're not going to change kind of the base formula, but we're just going to introduce a gimmick into it to make it another thing for you to manage. So you've got to manage where you're placing yourselves or or what you're doing. So I, I find that really quite interesting. So I'm going to look forward to going through that. But I've been playing absolutely shitloads these last couple of weeks. So the kind of biggest thing I've put my time into actually lately is Call of Duty. I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty Cold War been playing absolutely shed loads of the multiplayer the last couple of weeks trying desperately to keep myself above a 1.0 kd because <laughs> i'm just terrible um so i'm trying desperately i am succeeding in that and it is getting better but it's st- certainly not anything i want to boast about on here but i'm actually now just coming up to overtaking my multiplayer progress with zombies progress which i've been doing with yourself spent what are your thoughts on the the COD Zombies mode for, for this year? Because obviously you've played a lot of Zombies compared to me. I haven't played Zombies since um, Black Ops 2 was the last time I played Zombies. So it's been quite a long time for myself. What do you feel of, of the Zombies in this situation? Um, well, I, I think Black Ops 2 might actually be the last time I played Zombies as well in terms of recent games. It was the one with the bus. Yeah. The bus yeah, yeah. was traveling. Yeah, that's the last one I played as well. But I did spend a lot more time in World of War. Because I had it on PC, so you could get modded maps and modded guns and modded perks. So I played that loads. I played Black Ops 1, Kino de Toen, to death. I love that. Um, so comparatively, I think this new one, it's got a lot of new stuff. It's taken a lot of risks, but it's really good. The guns all feel amazing. Um, you kind of get score points or like damage points whenever you hit a zombie now, and it tells you how much damage you're dealing, which is quite nice. And I know you can turn that off if people don't like it, if you want to make it a bit more traditional. The Easter eggs are a bit nuts. There's so much to do. And I know me and you go into the go into the zombies game with a plan in mind, which is do the Easter egg, get overpowered and win. And half the time, there's no shot. Half the time, we're dead by round 12. Yeah, the, the crazy thing was, the other night, and probably the reason why I was so tired yesterday, actually, for, for New Year's, was because we said it was about one in the morning and we've been playing zombies all night and we've been having a shit run of it, really, to be fair. We've been getting our ass kicked. And we're like, right, let's, let's make this one last one. We'll just see how we do and we'll just come back to it another time. And we ended up going to round 32. And it was four in the morning by the time we got off. Half past four was when our run ended. And I was just like, Oh my god. I knew it was late. I knew time had gone on, but just eviscerated three and a half hours out on that run of zombies. And it was just superb. It's just so much fun. And the thing I love about it is that it's a great way to level up your weapons. So you can just get any weapon that you don't have or or that you've just unlocked and then grind it up in, in zombies. It's just absolutely fantastic. 
instead of having to kind of grit your teeth and get your ass kicked a little bit in multiplayer before you start getting those useful attachments that you need, yeah. which make or break a weapon. The way each gun feels with those with those triggers, oh my god, they're so good. I mean, I know I spoke about it last week, but what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, because I was playing, we had that free week, but obviously the free week was a PS4 version, which I was playing on the PS5, so I didn't actually get the adaptive triggers. And then obviously the sale came on and I saw Call of Duty for 50 quid and I thought, yeah, I got to do it, don't I? So I bought the game. Those triggers, oh my god. It's so satisfying just to shoot any gun. Every single weapon type just has a different feel to it. And if you've got like slow aim down sights, you pull L2 to pull up the sight and you can feel how heavy it is. So is that the only difference between the PS4 version and the PS5 version, the adaptive triggers, or is there there other things involved in that upgrade? Um, there's quite a few. So there's the triggers, there's haptics. Um, obviously, it's 60, I think they're both 60 FPS. Um, but we have ray tracing. Um, there's a 120 hertz, so 120 FPS mode. But obviously, your TV needs to support it, which is expensive. Uh, and obviously, we're in 4K. I think we have 4K ray tracing 60 yeah, we do. And if we were to go up to 120, it would turn off the ray tracing yeah. and have a kind of a dynamic resolution. But we don't have to worry about that because none of our TVs can support it. So, And 60 on card always has and, and always will feel lush. So no bother about that. But yeah, I've been putting a lot of time into that. Really, really enjoying it. Really, really grateful to have time to play COD and, and actually want to play COD, which is the first time in a long time I felt like that. What was the reason you picked it up then, Davey? Was... Didn't you say you won won the game? Yeah, yeah. So I, I won it in the um in a competition from um from the British Army esports team actually. It was a um just a competition giveaway on Twitter. So I won it that way, but it was on my wish list to buy anyway, because I saw the trailer that was shown at the last kind of PlayStation conference they did. And it just looked proper over the top. It looked so like action movie that I was like, this is what I like from COD. I really like that kind of over the top like blockbuster feel into it rather than it being realistic and so that kind of redrew me in i thought oh i actually will check this out playing the beta then kind of reaffirmed that that i just really wanted to check it out but it was going to wait until i was done with demon souls and spider-man which obviously are all done with now so it i kind of won the competition at the perfect time that i would have bought it naturally anyway so it was it was quite nice really yeah other than that um a few other things I've been playing. So me and my wife, actually, we started it last night and we finished it today. We played Supermassive Games' earlier launch from the end of October, Little Hope. And if you remember a few episodes back on the podcast, I was talking about Man of Medan, or Man of Medan, however it's said, and how I played that through and really enjoyed it. And I was looking forward to Little Hope. Well, I played it through to completion and it's not as good as Man of Medan. It's no way near as good. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, in terms of my, my biggest problems, if if you guys remember on the podcast before I mentioned, sure. with uh, Supermassive Games' Man of Medan, is that it ran like shit. It ran really poorly. There was The frame rate was dropping all over the place. Audio was going out of sync. It was a technical mess. This game is the complete opposite of that. It runs perfectly. Everything is absolutely stellar. looks great. Yeah. Everything's fantastic about it. The story's just not very good. It's no. just a boring game. Do do you think they've spent more time on those technical difficulties that maybe, you know, you and sort of the community have sort of voiced their opinions about uh, on Reddit about the game and sort of spent more time on that than they have done on the story side, which maybe they did originally? 
No, I don't think so because these games these games are coming out every year, and what happens is when you complete the pre the game beforehand, so like Man of Medan, at the end of Man of Medan, in the credits, it shows you a trailer for the next game that's out the following year. Ooh. So I know what's out next year now, which looks like it's going to be really interesting, kind of different take on it. It's called House of Ashes, <laughs> and it looks like it's it's following a group of like special ops soldiers as they go in through a kind of like a tomb. It looks just really interesting. It looks like kind of reminds me of The Descent in terms of the horror movie kind of vibe. Sure. So I'm kind of expecting some weird creatures down there or something. Yeah, in answer to your question, Phil, I don't think the story is compromised by the technical shortcomings of the previous game because the story would have, of all these games would have been written probably years ago. It's probably just a case of just them actually animating it and getting the voice acting, getting the mocap done, all that that goes into the next year's work rather than that part of it. I just think the way the story was delivered, it was good. It was entertaining throughout. But the ending's just so shit. The ending's totally shit. And it kind of just undermines everything. Did you see Did you see it come in a mile off? Was it telegraphed, was it? No, but it, it's, it's not telegraphed. But it's just done really badly. Like, I don't want to say the cliches that it's like because it's, it will just spoil it for people. But... But if it's a horror game, surely... Like movie tropes are kind of part of it. It's kind of something that they're arcing back to in some way, or or do you think it was just a kind of a mistake in the story writing? I do think it's kind of a mistake. Yeah, I I just think it's just not very effective in in how it's. I think the way it's delivered is fine. Um, I'm trying to be careful. I tell you what, this will probably be the easiest. If you if you have any interest in playing Little Hope, then fast forward the podcast on by five minutes. Because I am going to speak stuff that could potentially be spoilers. Okay? So Little Hope, basically, is like Silent Hill. In the way that you've got this fog that surrounds your characters from the beginning of the story until the end. And you know like in old school games on PS2, where like you'd go out of bounds and it would redirect you back? Yes. Yeah. It does that. The fog basically does that. It makes sure that you can keep on your track that you're supposed to go. That's the gameplay design for it. A la Metal Gear Solid and Sniper Wolf. As soon as you went outside those barriers, it would just push you back in, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, are leaving exactly, the zone. Exactly right. <laughs> you are leaving the battle zone. It kind of does that. And the way yeah. the story kind of gets around that is that at the start, the characters are like, well, we're going this way. And another group are like, well, we're going that way. And they'd be like, well, we'll see you in the future. And they walk then into the fog and they're like, oh my God, I'm back here. And they're like, what are you doing? Why are you back here? And they're like, oh, well, we just, we walked the other way. Why is this happening? And they walk back into the fog and it happens again. So the game kind of makes it seem as if it's some kind of revolutionary, like, oh, it's the fog being crazy. But actually, you know, <laughs> it's because they don't want you to explore that world, that you are there to follow that set path, which is fine. I've got no problem with that. Like, I, 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 quite, I quite like that and admire that there's some sort of limitation within the, the system or kind of the programming. And they're, they're building the story around this. So yeah. in, in, instead of making some kind of like, you know, like aspect of the game where it's asking you to turn around, it's, it's pushing you back into the story. It's really, that, that, I, I can appreciate that. I think that's kind of cool. I thought that was fine. So it's basically, the, the game's kind of like Silent Hill in the way that it kind of portrays itself with a heavy fit mist and fog everywhere. But all it ends up being is you're walking down a road, basically. Uh, for want of a better word, you're basically just walking down a road looking at stuff, uh, interacting with objects in the environment, but walking down a road. You get some QTEs, which are basically unfailable. 
Because unlike in previous games, what would happen is it would just come up randomly with the button you've got to press and you've got a timer on it and you just press it, right? No indication of which button it's going to be, anything like that. Now, just before the button press comes up, it comes up with an indicator to show that you're going to get a QTE and then it kind of is in the direction of either up, down, left or right. So you know it's either X, square, circle or triangle. So you basically can't fail it. Absolute garbage. I hate those in games. I hate them anyway in games, <laughs> but this one goes to another level where it's even warning you about them. Surely the whole kind of skill in QTEs is that you've got to react quickly, like in, I don't know, Uncharted, for example, right? To hold on to something, you've got to press X at the right time, or, you know, Resident Evil uses it quite a lot. There we go, I've mentioned it. Um, where you have to punch someone at a certain <laughs> time and you have to press a button, right? These happen, right? And we can kind of accept them, but if you've got the warning before the QTE, then it takes all the skill away from having a QTE so they're even worse there's literally this what out of the entire game which ran for about six hours one QTE I failed one and there's the constant throughout only once I missed one how much were you and drinking I was like, wow oh I was at the end of the night at like half past two hours knackered and I've been drinking quite a lot and I failed one QTE one and it had no ramification anyway because I could just rectify it with getting the next set right but it literally it, I never felt like there was any kind of pressure in me losing a character throughout my playthrough. Whereas in Man of Medan, I lost quite a few characters from my fuck-ups. Whereas in this, I didn't lose anyone. Completed the game without, with everyone surviving. Absolutely fine. No peril. I'd have to go out of my way to kill them, it feels like. And secondly, apart from that, this is why I'm putting a spoiler warner on it. You get to the end, and it's basically... You know, like in a cliche, I'm not going to tell you what the spoiling actually is for the ending, but you know cliches in a movie where they wake up and they're like... It was all a dream. It's, no way. It's that kind of level, yeah. We're just like, wow, okay. Sort of like Lost, where all along you're like, oh yeah, this is just purgatory. And then it actually just turns out to be purgatory. Yeah, you're just like, uh, wow. So at the end great. I was like... Completely oh. let down by the story, yeah. Yeah, and so at the end then I thought, maybe it's our ending. Maybe maybe the options me and, me and Lottie picked together as we played, maybe they weren't the best, get the best ending. Went on, went on YouTube and there's an absolutely shitload of different endings for that game. And one thing I do love about it, and this is the same with all the Supermassive games they've done, so it's the same for Until Dawn, which in my opinion is their best version of this. Uh, absolutely fantastic game exclusive on PlayStation. Really, really good. Uh, their Madame Madan and their Little Hope is that the objects that you find in the environment when you're exploring and you find, they're not just collectibles, they influence what your character knows. So it means then when you get into conversations with other people, you've got more of the facts or you'll have different character choices and things that will open up because they got more information. So they know stuff. So like you'll find like a book in the environment, right, that has satanic writing in. And then you can go up to the other character and be like, I don't know what's going on. And he'll be like, look, I found this book with this stuff in it. This is what we need to look out for when we're out in the street. And it's like, oh, okay. Like I could have missed that and not had that as an option. And my character wouldn't have known. That makes complete sense to like react like that. It, it shouldn't be that, you know, characters in, in video games have all this knowledge. They should find it out as they progress through the story, depending on what they yeah. do in the story. I, you know, I, I, I could appreciate that again. It, this, this game's, you are selling it more than um, putting it down, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think I, I was just saying that's, that's a good thing. That's the good thing about Supermassive Games is that they always do that in the, in the games that finding the collectibles is so meaningful because 
as you're learning, your character's learning with you, hmm. which is fantastic. It's such a good way of storytelling. It's fantastic. It's just that the the actual game in this just doesn't feel, compared to Man of Medan, it doesn't feel like there's any pressure or any tension on your characters because you never feel like you're going to lose any. And then secondly, on top of that, you've got that the payoff at the end just isn't there. So it is a step down. It was enjoyable. I enjoyed my time with it. Me and my wife enjoyed our time with it. But as soon as I finished it, I said, right, well, do you want to run through for a second time? She said, no, I'm done with it. I was like, yeah, same here. I'm done. I've got no interest in going for platinum or anything on it. But it has, it does mean that this is going to be, as long as they're doing these yearly releases for their uh, dark picture anthologies, this is going to be something now that me and my wife do every single time. So we're going to now go back together and play Man of Medan together because that was a, a better game in every way, in my opinion, other than technical difficulties. Um, we're going to play that again together. We're going to play that together now. And then next year then, or later on this year, sorry, in October, we've got to look forward to the next one, House of Ashes. Spoiler alert's over, by the way. And the last game really I've played a little bit of, but got not too much to say yet, is Resident Evil Revelations. I have started it. I'm three chapters into it, so I'm about a third of the way through the game. Um, a quarter of the way through the game. I think it's 12 chapters in total. I've done three. Um, enjoyed it so far, but not really too much to say at this point. I've got to get a bit deeper into it. So, guys, let's have a little update on what we're all drinking. Davey, I can see you've pulled out the Camden Hells. How's it going? I've just cracked it. So I'm about to try my first sip. So it's going to be a bit of ASMR. Well, it would be if we could hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, know how, I don't know how much it picked up. ASMR, right? And you're just completely silent. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> I, I've tasted this drink. <laughs> That's a- how it works, ASMR right? is this. Yeah, actually, you couldn't hear that, could you? Yeah, yeah. See, it, see. It, it didn't go green. Maybe we need to. Um, maybe we need to give more props to ASMR people. Crunching into a mic and then it picking up. Just some ASMR, boys. Here we go. Hang on. Nice. I was a bit minging. That sounded mank. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, disgusted. The Camden Hells. It's nice. Okay. Yeah, it's quite nice. It, it's certainly not an Estrella. But what would you, it's not bad. What would you liken it to? What, where have you tasted that flavour before when it comes to lager? I'm trying to think, actually. It does taste very familiar. It actually reminds me a lot of when we go to Brewdog. Okay. And we have the beers in there. And, we, and I get a Pilsner in there. So, yeah, it does kind of remind me of that. But, yeah, it is, it is nice. It certainly wouldn't be something that I'd buy on the regular. But if I was out and I bought a pint of it, I wouldn't be against it. So for all those blind people out there buying lager, it does feel the nicest, but not necessarily carries through on its flavour. That's very true, yeah. I mean, you're sacrificing that extra taste for how good it feels. I can imagine if you're blind, this must feel amazing. Because your senses are so much heightened, aren't they? I've seen Daredevil. Just an update from my end. Guys, strap yourself in. I've stepped up from Bud Light to Budweiser. So look out on the next topic, okay? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How's that orange juice treating you, Spence? Do you want anything harder yet? Lovely, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Smooth all I, I looked at it and I took... A, I had a, it has bits. It has bits. Um, I looked at it and I thought, I could pour a bit of whiskey in this. Do it. And then I also thought, do I really want to? Let, 
don't know if I Let's have a vote right now. Should Spencer pour in a whiskey? <laughs> Two to one there, mate. So uh, get on it. It's OJ with bits with fireball whiskey. I don't know how I, good that's going to taste. I think that's going to be brilliant. Same sounds brilliant. I've drunk a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as have I. He's doing it. Listener, he's doing it. Are we going to get some ASMR? Right, let me drink a bit so I've got more room to fill. That is like three quarter full pint glass of orange juice. How much whiskey yeah. are you going to put in it? And the, the glass is off camera at the moment, so I don't know. And he's still got the top on the whiskey. Imagine how how right, poured loads in, it, boys. Well make a drink, you know. Imagine how healthy Spencer's going to be after drinking all that orange juice. <laughs> no scurvy for Spencer. It's, it is. It is actually orange juice. It's not Sunny D, is it? I wish it was Sunny D. Because we don't want you changing color I over there. Do this. <laughs> that's enough. Oh, that's such that's a, a nothing. That's a pussy shot. That Mad. is. Yeah, put some Looking more at in. it pouring in, I was like, Let's have a glug, son. You crazy? Come on. Hang on, it's all at the top, isn't it? We don't, um, as a podcast, we don't endorse peer pressure, but it is highly <laughs> effective. We don't, it we is, don't yeah. endorse it, but we actively push it on each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't smell nice. How much percent yeah. is that orange juice? I don't know. Is it a zero? <laughs> <laughs> the bits in it make it up to like 10%. Zero percent orange juice? Pussy. Are we talking a Tesco orange juice? Or are we talking finer? Asda, mate. Asda. Asda's okay, okay. That's fine. It's not the cheap one. It's not a value one. It's not an orange juice yeah. drink. That's from Concentrate. I know we're a PlayStation podcast and we, we, we differ from time to time <laughs> on, on topics. So uh, orange juice. Um, if any of the listeners <laughs> out there know of any orange juices for Spencer to try in the future, feel free to email into our um, our mailbox, uh, pswetrust at gmail.com. Well then, guys, so the topic I'm bringing to the table today is around the news that Sony have announced that they're doing seven TV shows and three movies that are in active development based on PlayStation games. Big. Now, we already know two of the games that they're doing right now that they're basing it on. Got a TV series based on The Last of Us done by HBO, which is in active development, being written by Neil Druckmann as well. So pretty major deal. And we got the Uncharted movie, which obviously we've spoken about as well. But it does get me thinking, with these TV shows and movies in development based on games, what games would you want to see made into movies? And if you can give me your pitches, kind of what is it, the casting who you'd have directing it, and kind of your vision for the project. And you can take it kind of anywhere you go. Because I know normally Phil's cast is always going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. So it'd be quite interesting to see where you guys take this one. Phil, why don't you start us off? Okay. So I know our listeners, they're probably screaming into their iPods and their Zooms going, Phil's going to choose Resident Evil. He's going to choose Death Stranding. These are the two games that he always mentions. But I've gone with a different Capcom IP. I'm picking up Street Fighter. I want to see a 2021 version of the 1994 classic, the Street Fighter movie. I absolutely loved that as a kid. I remember at the time watching it, thinking, a real-life version of Street Fighter. Wow. Oh, my God. I was so hyped for that at the time. What do you think of um, Jean-Claude Van Damme's Guile? Mate... When I watched that film, 
that was the most confusing thing about it was why <laughs> why is guile the main character <laughs> you know why is he the lead you know surely we we all know it's is it's ryu is the poster boy for for street fighter on the side probably a bit of chun li as well but guile he, he, he was the main focus of the game i mean he did or, look uh, sorry the movie. uncannily like him didn't he Perfect. He looked just like him with that with the hair and the eagle tattoo. It was it was uncanny. Well, wait for my recasting. <laughs> <laughs> ah, right. For Guile, I'm thinking who would be a modern day equivalent of Jean-Claude Van Damme. And as we know, and as um, you know, listeners to the podcast have commented, my movie knowledge is terrible. So for Guile, I'm picking up. Jason Statham, hit me, guys! Don't don't hate me! Don't hate me! I've said, you know, he's 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 probably at that level of Jean Claude Van Damme was in 1994. These days, you know, he do could, you think Statham could do a convincing American accent? I'm not so worried about the accent. I was more worried about him being a bald guy and Guile being quite famous for his blonde locks. <laughs> But um, in preparation to this question, I did a bit of Googling around, and there are some hilarious pictures of Jason Statham in a blonde wig. So, listeners, <laughs> get that on the Google um, and have a good laugh. He is my guile. Or, I was thinking, you know, as an alternative, maybe Chris Evans, or at a push, John Cena. <laughs> John Cena. <laughs> you can't see me. You know, John Cena's already got the trousers to go along with guile, hasn't he? Because when he comes down to the he ring, his, 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 his legs are invisible. And so are Giles in the game. So you could never see him kick. When he's doing those flash kicks, can't see him coming, can you? No, they're unreactable. They're unreactable. Um, and would would Giles here, would you put a wig on them or would it be CGI? Ooh. Well, oh. in the in the games though, like Giles here doesn't move around a lot. You know, it is stationary. So I think you could literally just stick it on Statham's head. And it, <laughs> it, 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 would, it would just be like Guile, wouldn't it? You know, he could borrow John Cena's trousers, stick a wig, Brilliant. Statham's amazing <laughs> on screen fighting. And Guile, he's not much of a talker, so it's just it's just action. <laughs> yeah, all That's right. True. That's true. true. Carry on. As we all know, uh we've we've also got Bison and Cammy in, in, in the 1994 classic. So for Bison, I thought, who makes a great bad guy from the movies I watch? <laughs> right. So I've already mentioned Chris Evans, so that's a bit of a clue. <laughs> so I've gone Thanos himself. Josh You're going Brolin. for Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, yeah. As 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 Bison. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, I think like he yeah. Oh, actually, oh, there really we good. go. There we go. And as I've I, I've always gone along with two picks. So as an alternative, and my second picks are always WWE stars. I thought we'll, <laughs> we'll give Triple H another try at being in a movie. <laughs> You know, he was he was brilliant in Blade. In Blade Trinity, Jesus. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> in that film, in that film, you knew as soon as I saw him, I was like, someone's getting pedigreed. I knew it immediately. And so as soon as he pedigrees some random bloke through a table, I was like, yeah, all right. It's like it's like the early rock movies where you knew everyone, someone was getting rock bottomed at some point. You just knew it was going to happen. All in um, in the first Expendables. Stone Cold Steve Austin's in that, and he's Stone Cold Stunner's someone. And I was like, yeah, all right, okay. You just know it's happening. So when you see like a big vampire, which just Triple H with like diamond fangs in, and you just pedigree some guy through a table, I was like, yeah, all right, we're getting this. So would Bison 
be able to to do the pedigree. He would pedigree someone because that would be written into the contract, surely. It's time to play the game whenever you sign up Triple H, you know, and the pedigree, you know, <laughs> that, that, that is his move. That's his signature move. So I can see them bringing it into the movie, the 2021 <laughs> version of Street Fighter, and then because it's so popular, Street Fighter and Capcom thinking, do you know what? Bison should be able to pedigree people in the next version of Street Fighter. So bringing it back into the game, full circle, full circle. I could see that happening. That that would be incredible. That would be absolutely incredible. So is is your is your before we go into the rest of the casting, is your plot the exact same plot as the '94 film? We just remade that film. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, you know, I I like it surrounded <laughs> blanker, and you know, it was great. I, I absolutely love that movie. I I just want different people, updated people, a couple of new graphics, I suppose. When Blanca, you know, when he changes into Blanca, we could do some awesome CG with that. But uh, no, stick to the classic. If it ain't broken, don't fix it, man. So in the original, obviously, we had an absolutely stunning Carly Minogue as Cammy. Who would you have as Cammy? Yeah, my 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 knowledge was, my knowledge here. I was I, I was digging deep. And I thought, you know, female, female lead. Who do I know? So I've gone with Mika, Mila Djokovic, obviously. There's oh, my, no way. There's, there's my Resident Evil uh, <laughs> throwback. But yeah, she, she could make an awesome cami. Or I was thinking, if we're going down the WWE route, and this might be a stretch for you guys, we'll go Alexa Bliss. You might have to Google that one. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. I might have to boot up WWE 19 on my PS4 and uh, and have a little look at who that is. Because, yeah, that is something I do not know. <laughs> Alexa Bliss. There we Wouldn't go. you have Lita? Lita could do it, couldn't she? Mate, she's a... mate, she was a redhead. Alexa Bliss is blonde. Plat that hair and she's Cammy. I'll tell oh, you what, right, I'm okay. looking at her now. I'm looking at her right now. She could be Cammy. There we go. There we go. I'm telling you. All right. Sign me up. And people say I knew nothing about movies. All I'm casting is WWE stars. <laughs> you could probably get a production deal with WWE co-funding it. You know what they used to do for some of the movies for like uh, some of John Cena's director, director Blu-ray movies that he's done? Like the Marine. Well, Davey, when I go in front of the dragons, my pitch will be, here is The Rock. And I'll I'll just leave it as that. Really, he's done he's done pretty well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. And then I'll be straight down that elevator talking to the guy with the weird eye. <laughs> I'll be like, I have to accept them. They they were begging me. They were in my DMs in the elevator. Yeah, you just literally just walk in just with, with just one of those standing standing cardboard cutouts of the rock. You just put it down. You're like, so this is for five percent of my company. Um, I'm looking for two hundred thousand. This is a picture. Of Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Thank you. Any questions? <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's the casting for it, you know. Um, and I I can just see the money rolling in now. Was Ryu was in that film, wasn't he? Very he briefly was. towards yeah. the end. Yeah. yeah. So who would you cast as Ryu? Or is that at that point you've done the main cast, so the rest of it's just off to the casting agency, whoever? Then at that point, I'd probably go with CG for the rest of it. <laughs> oh. oh wow! <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's it, right. it's moved along a long way these days, hasn't it? You know, we, we we've seen people you know come back to life, especially in the Star Wars um, you know movies. Um, so so why not just just do it all in CG, save on the budget, and then you can pay Triple H, Alexa Bliss, and John Cena a little bit more money. 
you know, sign, sign that deal. I've got a bit of a theory of what you could do if you're incorporating some of the CG. You know, like in Spider-Man, in the hit film Enter the Spider-Verse, you've got that different mixture in art style. Why don't you have it so that the Street Fighter universe is split in between the, the normal game Street Fighter and the movie universe, so then you could have a 2D version of Ryu in there as your cast. And he can only move side to side. He can't, you know, if the door's slightly off from his angle, he can't go through it. Adds a little bit of comedy to it. But it just means you could just import the sprites so you save yourself a load of money. Or do you not want to take it that way? Don't want to mess with the classic that is the 1994 Street Fighter movie. Are you crazy? I'm not just making this up on the spot, Davey. I, I, I've put time and effort into this. From all the jip I've got off you guys and some of our listeners about my movie knowledge, I, I put time and effort into this. And I thought, I, I'm pretty proud of this. I think it's certainly interesting. I think it's certainly uh, an in- interesting idea. Spence, what about yourself? Um, well, I actually haven't done an awful lot of research, so I'm not sure who the cast may I think of it on the spot. But I kind of have three films I'd like to see. Always goes the extra mile, that Spencer, doesn't it? Oh my god! Go, go, go for one for the moment. Go for well, one. The thing for is, I moment. don't know who I'd cast, so I could just do like broad, or well, not even broad, just three films. You know. Go on. Then. They'll be fine. Go They'll on, be then. quick. They'll be quick. The first one I'd like to see, which I know would be a, a cinematic flop, um, would be Astros the movie, just because I love that character and I'd like to see him have an actual story. Well, Astrobot. Yeah, little Astrobot. Um, okay. But obviously, uh, Ratchet and Clank movie happened in 2016 and that didn't do very well. I imagine Astro would kind of follow suit. What's your kind of idea with it? What's your kind of your plot that you'd you'd have? Um, basically, as we all know, he's trapped living inside our PS5, right? So this is yeah. his him trying to acquire his freedom. He's trying to break out of the system. So basically, whilst someone's obviously playing their PlayStation 5, it would do that dramatic zoom in into the PlayStation 5 and it'd be Astro Bot just banging on the walls. He'd have to traverse <laughs> the GPU, the SSD, the RAM, everything. And then whilst, obviously, it would end, and whilst the guy's playing, the power lead would just fly out. And you'd be like, what? And then Astro Bot is free and he shoots out. Are we are we talking <laughs> kind of like Toy Story or kind of like uh, Small Soldiers kind of style, art style with this? Yeah, it would certainly be something along the lines. It'd be... Live action of the guy playing the game. And then, obviously, it'd zoom into the PS5 and it'd be different. And maybe each different segment, as we know this, the storage GPU, could all be animated in different ways. Could you have it? I'll give you a, I'll give you a couple of ideas to your work in progress as you're kind of spitballing it. Could you potentially make it a horror? So that he's trapped in there and he's trying to get out. He gets out and he takes revenge on the person who was... Who was playing as him? Controlled him I mean, his entire life. He comes out, finally gets out, and then it's the Astrobot finding this guy who's controlled him his entire existence. I mean, isn't this along the same lines as like Racket Ralph? Kind of that idea's done, isn't it? Where he's kind of trapped inside and he he gets outside of the the video games console. He doesn't like get freedom though. He doesn't join the real world, does he? No, like, no, no. He, he, he wants to be back home, game. doesn't he? Yeah. And yeah. that's why I think you need to have him go on a bloody rampage. Well, I think so as soon as he comes out, he starts massacring the family. Yeah, but if you think about it, really, Astrobot being inside that PlayStation, he must be about the size of a grain of rice. Even the more deadly, you can't see him. Yeah, but he probably isn't that big. What, what if he's got the same kind of strength? 
that Ant-Man has when he's tiny. So he just you just get uppercutted. You're just walking up the stairs, you just get uppercutted by a grain of rice. No. <laughs> no, no. No. I couldn't put Astrobot in that kind of horror situation. I could never do it. He's too lovely. So you said you had three um, movies or video games that you'd like to see as movies. That's that's number one. So we've got Astrobot the movie. What's, what's number two, Spence? Number two, I'm not entirely sure how to do it, namely because I haven't actually played the game. But Shadow of the Colossus. To be fair, most directors, do they really know a lot about they the source? Know a lot about the source material? I mean, you only have to go back to one of Davy's favourite movies, the Dragon Ball Z movie. Do you think the director really watched any Dragon Ball Z before he did that? Does Michael Bay know anything about Transformers? <laughs> That's for you to say, mate, not me. Because I've heard that he might be doing a movie. I don't know. I've never seen it. Or he has done a movie. Shadow of the Colossus would be hard. It'd do. be hard, yeah. I'm acknowledging that. I don't think it'd do very well. Because I think it, unless they did it justice, which I don't know how they would. You know, there's like, there's like 10 lines of dialogue in that entire game. Mate, Astro Bot was my first pitch. There's zero. What, he wouldn't say a word? No. It would be, he'd express for emotions like he does in the game. Oh my god. Like Wally. It'd be like Wally, in a way. Yeah. With so this is no... smart, right? Because obviously we don't have to pay for cast. <laughs> so <laughs> the right. CG is going to be class. Because that's where all the money's going. I love the way both of our movies are like, we've got a cost save. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sack, sack all the actors. I've just got three WWE stars. <laughs> The guy playing the PS5 as well in Astrobot, it's just going to be a pair of hands holding a dual sense. <laughs> it's not a bloke. So you can get the same guy who does the hands in Smash, the floating hands. Get him to yeah, do it. Yeah, massive hand, crazy yeah. hand. There Easy. we go. Done. Donezo. But for Shadow, yeah, I'm really not sure how it could work. It'd be epic if they could do it, if they did it justice. But I feel like people would end up doing Emila Jovovich, Monster Hunter kind of thing. Whoa. She's already <laughs> just downscale it to shit. She's already busy on my movies, Cammy. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, she wouldn't be in my film anyway. I don't even know how he'd properly do it, to be honest. Well, it's a, the story's about him saving his sister, right? It's his girlfriend, yeah. His girlfriend then, yeah. Well, it could just delve deeper into that, where, like, how did it happen to her? It could be a prequel. Oh, a prequel? Okay. All right, yeah, prequel could work. I mean, is there any point in having the Shadow of the Colossus name if there's no Colossuses in it? Maybe um, that's the end credits. Maybe at the end credits they go through the gate and it's the start of... Show the Colossus. Maybe it's like Dawn of the Colossus, mate. Where it's like <laughs> how they come to be. Everything's like... either Dawn or Rise, isn't it? Rise yeah. of the Colossus. So that's, that's the sequel in your three-part trilogy for the ending exactly, being Shadow yeah. of the Colossus. In fact, yeah. that's the Tomb Raider. That's the way Tomb Raider did it, didn't they? It was, yeah. it was wasn't it like uh, Shadow of the Tomb was... Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and uh, Dawn of the Tomb Raider or something like that? I think it's literally that. I'm not sure if Dawn exists. I know it's Tomb Raider, Rise, and then Shadow. Yeah, that's it, that's it. That is, yeah, it's literally it. So there you go, you just use that. Done. Yeah. And your third one? Right, well, seeing as we mentioned Dawn, um, I'd like to see an uh, actual movie adaptation of Until Dawn. I think that could be sick. That would work so well. It would yeah. actually work so well. And it wouldn't even be difficult to do, because you've got the actors already there. You don't have yeah, to pick your exactly. cast, because they're all proper actors. The only one that might be hard now is, uh, is it Rami Malek, who's from Mr. Robot? Yeah. He's he's in that game. So yeah, he it. might be a little bit more expensive now. Yeah. He might be a little bit more expensive now than he was. And uh, hey, uh, is it Hayden Penetrier, the girl from um, from Heroes? Yeah. Um, I think you butchered her last name, but I can't think of what it actually is. So I'm Something close to that, isn't it? 
Yeah. But she, yeah, she she might be a little bit more expensive than she was as well. But you know, it's definitely doable. You don't have to do an awful lot to that. Actually, it'd be no, fine. They literally, just need location, a bit of yeah. CG, and the actors are there. Yeah. And it'd just be a good way for people who don't game to get the same experience or similar experience. I think that would re- work really well. How do you think they'd go about it with the different choices and things like that? Would they incorporate some of that for the audience, potentially? Or do you think it would just be a case of this just a story and you're just going to experience one potential way this could go? I mean, that's actually made me think a bit because there's a Black Mirror episode on Netflix, which is interactive. So you kind of you can make choices throughout that and you can keep watching it and making different choices. So it's literally like the game. You could play the game in the cinema, I guess. Wouldn't that be funny? So next to your cinema seat, there's like a little controller or, or I suppose with your phone these days that you would, you know, log on to a certain thing and you could press A, B and C. And depending on the audience, the, the mass appeal yeah. of the audience, the movie goes a certain way. That'd be a really interesting way to uh, sort of direct a movie from your from your seat. And then you would want to, really cool. you'd want to go back the next time to find a different way. Yeah, don't even spend a penny. Don't even make the movie. Just chuck the game in cinemas. Just, just get... <laughs> six hour, six hour movie. You just need Charlie Brooker to, uh, you know, sort it out, a la Black Mirror, and then you're good, aren't you? Well, my idea probably is a little bit different from you guys. So my idea, I thought, right, I thought, what IP can we lean on in PlayStation? And the obvious choice first is God of War, right? That's the obvious choice. So I thought, "Mm, one of the lads might have picked God of War. So I'll go off with my second choice, Resistance TV show. So I want it as a series. I always think that series just works so well, a la The Witcher or anything like that. Well, I still need The Witcher read to go off. But, you know, like (laughs) The Witcher, let me get you on point here for my Resistance. So I'm thinking what they do is they... Fuck off Nathan Hale and all them. Don't need to worry. The the war of resistance goes across the entire globe. And it starts in Russia. So I'm thinking, right, well, eventually it moves into the UK. And that's where the first game is set, is in the UK. Why don't we base it in the UK so we get some classic British actors. Tom Holland in there. He could be like the, the young person who's brand new to the army. You're right, just got enlisted. Yeah. You've got Tom Hardy then as his superior officer. You could kind of put a fake burly moustache on him and make him speak in one of his dodgy accents that he always does that you can never understand exactly what he's saying. And you could also put him in a gas mask half the time. So you also can't understand him at all either. And so you could have those two as the kind of main characters. And then you've got to have a love interest in there as well. A la Peggy from Captain America, right? You've got to have someone that Tom Holland's going to fall for, right? So I'm thinking for that, why don't we get another UK beauty, a bit old for Tom Holland, but you know, it's wartime. You know, you you don't mind going for a cub. Get a bit of Catherine Zeta-Jones in there. A Welsh beauty, right? Sure, she's like 30 years his senior, but it's wartime. Things are desperate, right? You you find love in the strangest places. I'm surprised you haven't cast yourself in this movie, Davey. Um, (laughs) Seen as as the women you've picked, uh, you know, I've, I've seen the posters behind you. On the webcam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Catherine Zeta-Jones is a, is a national treasure to us Welsh. So, of course, she's going to be in it. What I'm thinking, my story is all about the fact that France is getting invaded by the Chimera. And they send a special tactics squad over to go and bring the fight to the Chimera. And it's a series where they're going into France to find out exactly what's going on. 
and find out what the weaknesses are to try and bring back the information to prepare for the invasion that's going to happen over here in the UK. So they send over this squad, and for whatever reason, Tom Holland ends up getting involved in it, into Hardy's squad. He somehow falls into it. I don't know if maybe he saves someone or one of Hardy's crew gets killed and he gets brought in. Whatever bullshit reason they got to do to get him into that squad of elites, he's in there. And we're kind of following through Tom Holland's footsteps as the novice as he's learning more and more with this squad of advanced, high-tech, seasoned soldiers who are going over there to take on the Chimera and bring the battle to them. How are you doing the Chimera? You know, we, we've talked about CG. You know, the budget's probably blown on my movie. Are, are you using puppetry uh, for the Chimera? Or what, what route are you going? Suits. Suits. I'm going, I'm, I'm going classic, like, 80s, late 70s, 80s star horror in that they still hold up today because they're in suits and the way they're shot is just really good. So I think CGI never holds up very well for low-budget stuff, especially for a TV series. Low-budget. I'll have Tom Holland. I'll have... <laughs> 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 My, mine isn't low budget. You guys have gone low budget. Mine's big, but I think suits are the best way to do it because you can do them in such a good way. You look at the Mandalorian and how the suits are done for that for those Star Wars characters. They look fantastic. No reason why you can't make the make the Chimera in suits and make them look as good as they do. The CGI is going to be blowing up, you know, with the amount of explosions and bullseye darts that are going to be going everywhere and all the different weaponry they're going to be firing. So just chuck it, chuck them in suits. I think that'd be the best way to do it. The story would unfold over an eight eight part TV series with then the random episode halfway through when the series is just building up. On episode seven, you get a random bullshit episode which just all around a flashback because that always happens in every single fucking TV series and it does my head in. You got an 11 part series, 10th episode's always just a load of shit throwaway nonsense. So we'll do that as well just to save on the budget a little bit, stretching out a little. But that, that's my kind of theory on it. Any any questions, boys, or is it a masterpiece? I'm quite upset that none of us have cast Gal Gadot in anything, just because I quite fancy her. You've got your casting to do, mate. Phil, any, anything you want to ask about my Resistance sure. movie? Sure. So what class are we, we, we going with for Tom Holland? So we, we played a lot of the multiplayer. You know, is he, is he going in? Is he going to have a big wraith? I'm feeling he's going to be a medic-style character. Medic, okay. So he's someone that doesn't like fighting, right? This is his character arc throughout it. He doesn't like fighting, but he feels like he has to do it. Maybe his parents were killed by the Chimera, and he feels like he needs to go over and support. Maybe, right? I'm spitballing now. (laughs) Isn't this just Hacksaw Ridge? Yeah, it's basically (laughs) Hacksaw Ridge with... uh, I was wondering how long it would take someone to see through this. With a different Spider-Man, because Hacksaw Ridge is Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly right. Exactly. It's Hacksaw Ridge with aliens. We're, we're pretty big on predictions on this show, and a lot of the, a lot of the things we say, you know, they, they come true, you know? There's, there's, there's been many occasions where, you know, we've been chatting about video games and th- things have just popped up. So if any of these movies do get made, you've heard it here first on at NPS We Trust. What were your casting picks then, Spence, before we end this? Um, well, I want Galga, though, in all three. Okay. All right. So I don't know where she'll be in Astro. Maybe he leaves the PlayStation and finds love with Galga, though. It'll be like the B-movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, Maybe she's the mother of the murdered child when they go upstairs and realise that Astro Bot's she's brutally not, not murdering anyone. He's mate. not. He's not. We're, we're, we're still not settled on that idea. Okay. No. Yeah, I just want Galga, though. 
I just want to, I just want to look at her a bit. It's an all-female cast, is what you're saying. It's just Gal Gadot in different costumes. Yeah, oh, that'd be a bit expensive, actually, I reckon. I reckon she'd charge so much for that. Maybe not. Maybe she'd have a cameo in the end, after credit scene. Okay. She walks in, sees her son brutally massacred by a grain of rice. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then it just ends, cuts to black. Maybe it ends, right? Actually, this is huge. This is huge. Ready? Okay. It ends, right? And Gal Gadot, she's in Game or GameStop, wherever the film's based, UK or US. And she's walking out with a brand new PS5 for her son for Christmas. And she pops it down for a second to tie her lace or to get it on her phone. And the box starts shaking because the Astrobot's trying to escape. And then it ends. And it's basically all the Astrobots are going to all escape the PS5s and merge together into one massive Astrobot and massacre everyone. There you go. I thought you were going to have it that she bends down Shia Lace and then she just gets uppercutted out of nowhere. Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not very believable, uh, considering what we might speak about in a minute, and that's the availability of PlayStation over Christmas. Now that Christmas has been and gone, I've been digging into their uh, sales figures for consoles, guys. These figures are from VG Charts, and they're the hardware estimates for December 6th uh, to, to December 12th. So that's kind of the week generally people are buying consoles ready for Christmas. Okay? Right. So top of the shot, surprisingly to me anyway, uh, was Nintendo Switch. They shifted 1.3 million units. Number two, PlayStation 5. They shifted just over 300,000 units. Xbox Series X and S, just under 200,000 units. PlayStation 4, which... Who's buying a PlayStation 4 this day and age? 165,000 units. Xbox wow. One, 100,000 units. I've rounded up and rounded down with these figures. And then the 3DS, 75,000 units. Wow. The 3DS is still selling. So do you guys. Are these are these surprising? And do you think PlayStation, you know, probably should have sold more, seen as PlayStation 5 seems to be the most desirable console currently? To me, the Switch being number one isn't surprising at all. I think the Switch has been number one for quite a long time and there's obviously no issue in supply for the switch so people could just buy it however they want um the surprising one for me is the xbox uh one doing quite well but at the same time i think a lot of people probably thought they'd be getting a series x so they might have that might be that might have bumped the numbers up a little bit what so you're just saying um, that's the stupid tax probably partly the stupid but it is probably still selling and i know when i sold my playstation 4 at cex um, there was a guy there literally buying a PlayStation 4 next to me as I sold mine. So I know okay. people still are buying PS4s, obviously because they expect them to go down in price. So the sales for that don't surprise me too much. I suppose a lot of the games are cross-generation these days. So buying a PS4, you do get the majority of the PS5 games, hopefully anyway. Yeah, plus it also means you don't really have to wait for games. Because if sure. you buy a console as the next generation comes about, all of that generation's games are there, ready to play. Mm-hmm. And they're all at their peak version because they'll all have been patched. So it is quite clever. You say the, the the Switch didn't have a sort of supply and demand sort of, you know, ish, issue there. But um, some of Laura's family, they, they find it they find it incredibly hard to get their hands on a Switch for Chris, uh, for Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah. Not, not, not to the extent of PlayStation. I think it was, you know, hunting around a few different shops. But generally, you know, they, they shifted a lot of units, you know, 1.3 million. You know, that's a million more than the, the second one on the list, which is PlayStation, you know? Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of demand for, like, the specific editions. Like, the Animal Crossing Switch was sure. sold out for the longest time. 
but I think the base grey and the base blue and red switches are typically not too hard to find, especially if you're looking around online. Hmm. But maybe if you're looking locally, it might be a bit more difficult. David, how do you feel about this? To me, the figures just tell a very open and shut story, really, in that the figures a couple of weeks before this, when there was the console launches for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, it was a complete shift around where PS5 absolutely dwarfed the sales for the Switch in those weeks. Uh, and Xbox did better than the Switch too. It didn't, wasn't exactly a dwarfing, but it certainly did better. It shows exactly where the problem is with the supply of these consoles at the moment in that there's a lot of demand for it, but you just can't get one. And so Christmas time, the perfect demographic for that is generally a younger crowd, isn't it? You're talking about parents buying consoles for their children. Sure. Generally. And so you'd expect the console that can be sourced the most then to to do the best. I mean, the Switch has had an absolutely phenomenal year this year with Animal Crossing, which has been their biggest game by far this year. One of the biggest games of the year, if not the biggest game of the year. So they've had an absolutely uh, phenomenal launch with that, which has obviously carried them throughout this entire year. Because the rest of the, the rest of the consoles run this year has been relatively weak, in my opinion. I don't think they've had anything big since Animal Crossing, which was out in what April. Nintendo always seem to do well around Christmas, though, don't they? I think it's the yeah. console that mums and dads and nans and uncles and aunties buy for their children that are at a certain age, and they're like, oh, they, they like video games, so we'll, we'll get them a Nintendo. They wouldn't necessarily go, we'll get them a PlayStation or we'll get them an Xbox. Of course, there's a, there's a price difference as well with those consoles, you know. If you're looking at a PlayStation 5, you're looking at 450 quid. You know, what's a Switch? It's 300 quid. Yeah, you know, and and, and Switch Lite exists as well. And and those games, if you're an older person that are out of this system, you probably say those games are probably more appealing to the kids, sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that holds too much weight, only because you only look back a generation ago at the Wii U, and if anybody got that for Christmas, good God, like at that point you want to phone Childline because <laughs> your parents have just abused you because that console was absolute gutter trash. And the console before that was obviously the Wii, which obviously everyone had. We all had a Wii. Everyone, even my granny had a Wii. Well, going back to my Pokemon Snap story, parents and, you know, they are misinformed about consoles. They're not up on Twitter. They're not up on all the social medias understanding, you know, what people actually want or what, what is interesting at the time. They're just they're just going off marketing. And Nintendo have such a strong, you know, grasp on on, on appealing to, you know, parents wallets and they're the ones with the money it's not the kids i don't know about this like i don't even know if i buy into that because now you think parents aren't like parents that we have as parents parents are like our age like the parents now that are buying for kids are only a couple of years older than us so they would have been growing up on this stuff you, you can't think about it through the same lens as when we were growing up with our parents because then they didn't have a bloody clue right this was all pretty much brand new but they've had like 30 years to get used to this medium I, I, I'm only going off, you know, my my experience with sort of Laura's family. You know, my, my family is really small. It's it's just me, my mum, my dad and my brother. But when it comes to Laura's family, there's, there's loads of kids and loads of aunties and uncles. And that's what they that's what they got. They got Nintendo Switches. And yeah, I don't necessarily think they were the consoles they wanted, but they were the ones that appealed to the older generations. It is interesting. I think it's kind of a tale of two parts. If, if the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X were readily available, 
I think they would have dominated this holiday period, without a doubt. But Nintendo still had a really good turnaround with the Switch compared to the Wii U. They, they've had such a really good roller coaster with it. It's appealed to the hardcore and the casual market. And when they are readily available, like they are now, when the competition isn't there, I mean, those PS4 numbers, even though they look kind of impressive when you compare them against PS5, you're talking about a console that you can get everywhere and it sold 100,000. It's not really that big of a deal across the entire world. It's hardly anyone. So the majority of people really, I think, are just waiting to get their hands on PS5 and Xbox. But God knows how long we're going to have to wait. I mean, I don't even know what the plan is for restocks. Okay, so we've we've really focused in on kind of like Switch versus PlayStation here. But what what do you think of the figures between PlayStation and Xbox? You know, there's there's a hundred thousand units difference within that week. You know, does does that go to show the popularity of PlayStation, or is it the availability of Xbox? I don't know. I've not gone out and tried to buy an Xbox, but are they still in shops? I don't know. I think it's both factors kind of apply to it. Whereas it is sold out in a lot of places, it is still really hard to get. Maybe not as difficult as PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But I know it's still very limited stock. But at the same time, there's just not as much need to get an Xbox as there is a PlayStation because there aren't any games on the system. Like, if you are getting an Xbox right now, it's to play Xbox One games. You sure. will not be playing anything new on that console. Whereas a PS5, you do have new games. Granted, not many, but new ones nonetheless. The closest generation we've ever had between the Xbox and PlayStation was in the PS3, Xbox 360 generation, where there was only, I think, 6 million difference in comparison to the total sales between PS, uh, PS3 and Xbox 360, which Xbox 360 launched a year before the PS3. And the PS3, if, if you remember, which I'm sure you do, had a catastrophic launch period, which lasted for about two years, 18 months of that console's life before it actually found its footing and started releasing quality games and reasons to buy the system as well as a massive price drop. I can't see Xbox ever beating PlayStation ever in a console lifecycle unless Sony really fuck up. Because at the moment, you look at PS4 compared to Xbox One, and it was an absolute whitewashing. And you think the people that are in that console generation now, with both systems being backwards compat, if you've got PS4 games, why would you now switch over to Xbox is literally no reason for it. There's when you can't play any of your existing library and there's no games there. I, d- I did think before I sort of saw all these figures that the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S, because you're taking in consideration both consoles, especially at that price point, I think it's like 249 or it's ridiculously cheap, isn't it? That yeah, they really th- cheap, that they yeah. would be closer. But you are right. It, it is down to the games. And ultimately, if I've got an Xbox One, why am I upgrading to an Xbox S? Ultimately. Yeah. You know? That's the thing. And I think until you've got the games that really sway an audience over, like when you compared the Xbox One generation to... PS4, both the consoles out the gate had a totally different trajectory. Obviously, everyone was super hyped up on PS4. Everyone hated the Xbox One because of all their talk about TV, 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 sports, TV, instead of focusing on games. So they had a terrible, rocky start. And they never recovered. And the problem is they never recovered because that entire generation, I can't think of one killer app on that game outside of Ori. I really can't think of anything on there that was actually decent. Like, people didn't like Halo when it launched on there. Forza's apparently amazing. 
but obviously that's one kind of smaller piece of the pie and certainly doesn't appeal to mass market i played i wouldn't have thought i played killer instinct on that on that console and that was probably about it for me yeah i mean you got one didn't you you got one for ps4 but that that was not really an equal choice (laughs) that was down more that was down more that i was working for gadget show back in the day and we we were at launch and i thought this was a, a good time to buy the console so why not hell you know we had, we had a couple of free games and i got to play i think it was dead rising the new version of that that, that you know it was, it was a lot of fun but you know weighing up the two consoles now i am glad that i've got a ps4 you know look at looking at my shelves the amount of ps4 games i've got to the probably about eight maybe six <laughs> Xbox games, <laughs> it's, yeah, you less know, than one a year. It, it, it tells that's us less than one a year. It tells the story, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I mean that's that's the thing. I mean, even if you're hardcore on Xbox, the reason you're staying is because of the services they provide. But you know, with Game Pass and all that, and that's fair enough. I think that's a good enough reason to stay in an ecosystem. But I don't think it's good enough to convert somebody over the Xbox. Game Pass is incredible, right? I I haven't subscribed to it yet, as as you know, I'm I'm quite anti the whole PlayStation subscription service. But a pound for your your free month, or what Discord is currently offering, if you boost up with Discord, you get three months worth of um, Xbox. It, it's a hell of an offering, isn't it? You know the barrier. Yeah, yeah really good. Amazing. The barrier to entry when it comes to Xbox Game Pass is is literally nothing, right? I can remember when I when you know when I was much younger and I I was into games and you know saving my pocket money, washing cars and all all, all this palaver to to try and get a video game. Shoe shining back in your day, wasn't it, Phil? Shoe, yeah, shoe shining, collecting the coal, mate. Bloody hell, I was down the mine. Up the chimneys. Yeah, up the chimneys, down the mine, and all that. You know, to to get one game, let alone now where you can pay a pound and you can have near enough an unlimited you know variety of games to play it's crazy you know like these this was the reason i used to buy the playstation magazine because you'd you'd, you'd buy it for six quid and you'd have 10 old demos on that game to play through when you were younger and for me that was a blessing but now you can pay a pound and you can have literally all the back catalog of the xbox that offering is unbelievable yeah i'm not going to sit here and try and um try and say that ps now is a better service because it's not but it's a similar thing for PS Now. PS Now is an, is an absolutely incredible service. I love it. I think it's really good. It's a good additive service. Although I don't think it's a reason that you should ever buy the system for that. I can't see it ever influencing my purchasing decision to buy an Xbox. Like the thing that would make me buy an Xbox would be the game. A game there, a killer app I can't get anywhere else. Say, for example, Street Fighter Six launches and they've, they've teamed up with Capcom and it's Xbox exclusive, can't get anywhere else. And it's fantastic. It's the best version of Street Fighter ever or it's as good as Street Fighter 4 was to me or Street Fighter 3. Potentially, then I might stick in and say, yeah, do you know what? I'll do that. And while I'm there, I'll buy Game Pass. But I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm going to buy Xbox Series X for Game Pass. Like, never. And so I think it's a good way to keep somebody in that system. But I don't think it attracts people. And I think that's kind of pretty obvious because you can, if it did work that way, the Xbox One would have at least had a couple more sales. I mean, at the moment, it only just outsold the Vita. So it's not exactly, <laughs> it's not exactly uh, flying off the shelves, is it? Do you, do, do you not think you were, you were semi-interested though at that price point of 250 for that console? I, I'm interested if Halo was launched. Mm. If Halo was launched, yes, I would be. I would be. 
Because then I know, all right, I'm buying it for Halo. I'm going to play Halo. I'm going to sweat Halo. I'm going to really enjoy my time with it. Sure. And then I've got it there for everything else. But when it's not, the Game Pass games that are exclusive on there, I either own them or I've got the exact same offering on PS Now. Mm. So I'm not, I mean, no matter how good a game is, I'm not going to go back and play Xbox Original. I fucking hate they call it Xbox One. It makes it so much harder when you talk about the original OG fat Xbox. But I'm not going to go back and play like an OG Xbox game now. I'm just not. Like, same way that there's PS2 games on PS Now. I'm not going to go back and play a PS2 game. I'm not. But if, when Halo launches, yes, potentially that 250 price point could get me involved. And, and that's coming from someone who, you know, self admits that you don't play PC games. So for me and Spencer, you know, it's it, we're, we're a step further, aren't we? Because we've got a PC. So. All these games are available to us. So the reason to buy an Xbox is even less now. Yeah, I, I've literally owned Game Pass. I had Game Pass for about four months, maybe. Hmm. And that was literally just because I want to play Sea of Thieves, which is a brilliant game. Sure. Even if I didn't have a PC, I still wouldn't have bought an Xbox for it. Yeah, Game Pass, as great as it is, and with the Series S, it is like, it's nice, but I I don't think I will ever buy an Xbox. I don't care enough about any of their games. We are completely biased on this show because it is a PlayStation <laughs> podcast, right? And we've always been PlayStation guys for the length of the time that I've known you lads. So it'd be really interesting if anyone out there that is an Xbox, you know, primary Xbox player to come on the show and, and have this debate with us to why people buy Xbox at the moment. You know, what? what is the appeal? I, I'd love to hear that side of the argument because I can't voice it. So guys, I've been reading a little lad Bible. And as we know, it's not the most reliable of sources. Um, and they're claiming that in the next couple of months, we're going to be getting the themed PlayStation 5. Now, considering what we've just talked about and the supply of PlayStation 5 not being as high as it should have been over Christmas and, and, and people finding it hard to, to, to be able to get the console. Do you think this is the right time that they, they should be bringing out themed PlayStation 5s? So is this an official thing or is this someone else? Like the plate situation? This is from Lad Bible, and they're claiming that they're going to be releasing a retro-inspired PlayStation 2-themed PlayStation 5. It's a limited edition and it's going to be sold in very low supply. Um, I, I'll tell you, I know a lot. I know the supply and I know it's not official. Okay. And the people making it have said they shouldn't run into any issues because rather than creating their own like things, it's editing the existing patents rather than making their own. I'm not like rather than like making a new one which copies it. Um, it's editing the existing. But from what I read, so apparently they shouldn't. But from what I read, these are consoles that they're selling. They're selling both consoles and the dual senses. I'm not sure if they're selling them like normal packaging so you'd get a console and a controller if you have to buy them separately but i was looking into it because i was gonna maybe buy the dual sense sure. myself so how would that work then obviously if it was official then that makes perfect sense right obviously i don't think i'm not going to comment on if it's the right time or not uh, not just just now obviously i'll keep it on track for once but if it was official obviously this makes sense in how they do it in terms of the distribution of the consoles if it's a third party deal which you're saying spent it makes no sense, really, because obviously they can't make the console. They can't do that. So what they'd have to do then, I imagine, is buy a base PlayStation 5, custom it, so spray it, do whatever they do to 
put plates on whatever to make it that custom PS2 variant, then ship that out then in either their own box or something else. Kind of like they do for if you're getting custom GameCube controllers or custom controllers, anything like that. Is is that kind of what you're saying? It does seem mental, doesn't it? You know, I, I, I've seen a couple of like um, gold PlayStation 5s floating around, you know, Twitter, but you know, they, they might be one or two as, you know, their stock as such. But with this, it, the article I read, it, it, it felt like a lot more than that. Um, basically what it is, I read that it was roughly 300 units for the actual console and a bit under 400 units for the dual senses. And the reason it's different from the PlayStation situation is because they aren't just painting or spraying the plates, they're actually making their own, which is the reason why instead of having the embedded uh, Sony logo, it's actually just a full plate and they've just coloured the PS2 logo onto it. I can see this being shut down frame one if this is official. If this isn't official, this will be shut down quicker than anything. I don't know how the hell they could do this, but PlayStation couldn't. I think the demand would be super high though, because if I haven't got a PlayStation 5 and you know there's this third party saying, we can give you a PS5, but it's a black playstation 2 themed version of it i'm like hell yeah i don't even care yeah i mean exactly you look at the scalping situation people are selling scalp playstation for a thousand pounds and people are buying them so yeah they could easily sell this for 700 800 quid or whatever and people would buy it and maybe if they do it in such limited stock maybe it's not worth sony taking them to court i imagine if they can say to playstation that we're going to send you a cease and desist we're going to shut you down if this is even remotely infringing on their copyright, which it seems like it is, if they're just literally, even if you're saying Spence, they're customizing it a little bit, you can't. <laughs> There's no way. Especially because they're saying it's a PlayStation 2 themed PlayStation 5. If they were theming yeah. it, like if they were doing a gold or a silver or, you know, if they were they were coloring it, then you kind of understand or like branding it in some other way. But it's a PlayStation branded PlayStation <laughs> yeah, no way. So there's no there, way. There's a double level level there that just seems crazy to me that this would be coming from a third party. When I read it, I just assumed this was coming from coming from Sony. I'm t- I'm telling you right now, I'll make a prediction on it. They will be shut down miles before this comes out. This this might be one of the predictions that actually comes true, not the movie predictions that we had earlier. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a pirate and I was trying to get away with you know, customizing a PlayStation and selling it, you know, I'd make it a couple of quid on the side. To any extent, to any kind of volume, I wouldn't do it now because PlayStation is going to be hot on people copying things or people customizing things. I, w- I would do it a couple of months down the line when PlayStation 5, you know, it's available to the masses and then you jump in then and go, oh, actually, you might want to pay 100 quid extra and have a gold one or a silver one or... See, I think I think it's a bit different from that because obviously it's limited stock at the minute. And obviously, because they're doing such a low amount, I imagine that's just the amount of PlayStations they could get a hold of. So people are going to buy these if these do, like, if these can sell, if it's not, like, if it's legal, they will sell out right away just because people want a PS5. It doesn't even need to be custom. They could just sell it for the extra price, but they're adding a little extra to it. And I've got the prices now. The reason I was a bit enticed by the controller is because it's only $99 for a PS2 themed controller. Although that's more expensive, it's not bad for a custom controller. And the console itself is $649, which is a bit too much for me. But It's only an extra $100. Got 
Yeah, or extra two hundred dollars was it? Did it launch for one hundred and fifty? I think. Yeah, yeah, launched for four nine nine, right? Four nine nine. So obviously, you, you got my kind of take on it. I'm thinking it's going to get closed down frame one. Spence is thinking that it's going to going to kind of hang around and that it's going to be something but very limited stock because that's just what they can take on from it. What are your thoughts on it, Phil? I haven't heard your opinion. If I haven't got a PS5, I'm grabbing it, mate. Regardless. If it's available, I'm grabbing it. But do you think Sony are going to shut it down? I don't think, like, they're, they're not going to be quick enough with this one because it seems to be, like, next month that it's happening. And it's in, it's in all the media outlets at the moment. It's going to be pretty a pretty big move from Sony if they're going to be able to shut that down, like, and, and actually stop people from doing it. It isn't just going to pop up on eBay, you know? This is a really bad way of thinking about it, but it's a good way for them to for people that have scalped the console to make it not seem like they're scalping. Yeah, it is. That's well, they're, what I add, mean. they're adding value to it, aren't they, by making it a different color? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And they're not even going for the extortionate prices that most other scalpers are. So it's actually quite clever, I reckon. Last episode, I put a very personal message out there to all of you, and uh, this might sound a bit similar. I really appreciate you listening to In PS We Trust. We're a small podcast really trying to grow our brand. And the best way we can do that is by you, by word of mouth. So please, share the podcast with your friends, family, loved ones, or even your enemies. Anyone you know that you think would benefit from listening to a PlayStation-focused podcast where we talk about any and all random bullshit, please share it around. So boys, my topic and the final topic of the night is the most anticipated games of 2021. So I've got a list of some of them, but what I'd rather know first is what your most anticipated games are. So Phil, let's start with you. What are you looking forward to in 2021? I think our listeners already know, don't they? I am looking forward to Resident <laughs> Evil Village. I love Resident Evil, as you guys know, and I cannot wait for the next iteration of it. The last Resident Evil, Resident Evil 7. It was crazy. They they switched it up and it was a different take on Resident Evil and I absolutely loved it. And this looks to be following in on that vein and going down that more horror kind of focus route. And yeah, Resident Evil Village. Let's go. So in the trailer, obviously we see Chris Redfield and he looks like he's put on a few pounds. He's got chubby cheeks, and he looks a bit more big set than he did from his Resident Evil 5 days, which is the last time, and Resident Evil 6, when we saw him, when he looked like he'd been on the roids. We'd be munching down those roids left, right, and centre. Now he looks like he loves a good Greg's. Well, he was at the end of 7 as well. He, Yeah, he was, and he looks totally different from that as well. So it looks like they've gone back to like old style of Chris and how he looks, except they said, do you know what? Maybe Chris just really likes a bacon and cheese turnover from Greg's, and he has one way too often. It does look a little bit different. I do like it though. I didn't. I was immediately saw it, and I was like, "Fucking hell, that's Chris Redfield." Whereas, whereas in Resident Evil Seven, when I saw that bloke, and he was like, "My name's Chris Redfield," I was like, "No, you're not." So I, I'm glad they kind of re- reverted his style back. What do you feel of the design for Chris? I'm looking back, right? So. Which, when we record these podcasts, we're on we're on webcam, and my office is adorned with video game figures, books, memorabilia. It's all over, and I've got one shelf dedicated to Resident Evil. And I'll look over to Chris Redfield, 
and this is Resident Evil 5, Chris Redfield. And he does not have a neck. That's how stacked <laughs> the guy is. He's literally... Yeah, so, for, for our listeners, what you want to do, raise your shoulders to your ears. That's Chris Redfield. That's that's the model I have. So, I'm probably quite happy with like the new iteration because he needs to be less of just this monster of a beefcake and just be more of a human being. No one looks like this model. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Speak for yourself, mate. I mean, you know, I can only, I can only, <laughs> I can only look in the mirror and I see the resemblance to Chris Redfield. But now, we're after these COVID, uh, COVID Christmas cakes and chocolates I'm putting in, now I'm looking like Fat Chris. There we go. So, there we go. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just after COVID break and he's been sitting at home munching at the BSAA office instead, instead of going out in the field because of COVID. Who knows? But I, I got to admit, I'm completely with you. My number one anticipated game is Resident Evil Village as well. I am so excited for Resident Evil. I love Resident Evil more than any other series in gaming. I've I've realized that over the past couple of years that my favorite series is Resident Evil. And I am so hyped. Do you mean over the last couple of podcasts you've remembered that you like Resident Evil? Because I mention it a hell of a lot. No, I think it's actually from doing my YouTube work. Like okay. I've gone back and played a lot of the Resident Evils I've missed. And playing every single one of them, I'm like, these games are just so good. I just love them all. And I just love the way they're designed. And with Seven, like you said, it took a big risk putting it into first person. But they just focus back on managing your item box, the survival horror elements that are in there, really focusing and doubling down on that, even in this new first person mold. And it worked so well. It was genuinely scary. It was. It was terrifying. Genuinely. Marguerite's house, when you go in there and she's like a monster running around, I cacked my pants every single playthrough. That entire section, that boss fight is so good. I think the cast of characters in Resident Evil 7 is so memorable with that family. And if they're even remotely doing something similar with with 8 now, it's on to a winner. I, I literally, I cannot doubt them. And the RE engine is superb on PS4. I cannot wait to see what they can do with it on PS5. I really can't. I still get flashbacks to when you walk up that stairs and she just bursts through the window at you. And oh my God. Yeah. Like, I, I, I still get it now. I'll, I'll be going to sleep and I'll be like, talking about Resident Evil you know, in the podcast. Like, <laughs> like, that is a scary moment. Like, Tyrant... He's never scared me to that extent. You know, Nemesis never scared me to that extent. But Resident Evil 7, whoa, that is a scary game, isn't it? The jump scares in that, man. They're they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. And it's just just one of those things that with Resident Evil, after we had 4, 5, and 6, we were just gradually going down this path of turning it into an action game. Then C7, just be like, you know, we're putting this back on track. And then for the entire game, I'm like, oh, well, it's kind of a shame that this doesn't link into Resident Evil lore. And then you're kind of picking up more of the files and you're like, oh, hold on. I hold on. I recognize this name or I've seen this company. And then you get to the end of the game. And you're like, holy shit, there's Chris Redfield. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, this is it. This is it. it actually does fully link. So to see it actually like fully go full circle from being a self-contained story and then seeing Ethan Winters back now, I'm hyped. I am so, so ready for that game. I cannot wait. And hopefully we'll have some more news in the coming weeks because 
they are saying there's going to be a new presentation for it in the new year, in early new year. So who knows? We may have something in the next couple of weeks. So we we should we should do a spoiler cast, the same as um, we did for Miles Morales. You know, I think I feel this is a game uh, at least me and you will love. I don't know about you, Spence. How how are you feeling about Resident Evil Village? Is this a game you're going to pick up on launch? Because if it is, we should definitely do a spoiler cast for it. Um, I'm definitely going to grab it on launch, but I've played the Resident Evils. I've only played maybe five, six, and two. I loved two when I was a kid, but I've not really played any since, and I've not really fully experienced them, I suppose. So before Resident Evil Village comes out, I'd like to play all of them. Don't know if I'll get the chance. I'll definitely play Seven. Seven. Are you saying all you're going to play all Resident Evil games? Because there's a fuck. There's a fuck ton. All of the main lines. Yeah, main line. You, you you probably could do. So like yeah, just one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven. To be fair, I think the way you should go about it is play seven because it's its own thing. Then play one re- the remake of one because it's it's the best one in my opinion. I know that's a. Not everyone agrees with that, but everyone will put it in the top three. No, no issues. Definitely amazing game, absolutely phenomenal game. Truest, truest uh, reflection of the formula for Resident Evil is Resident Evil One Remake. It's superb, holds up to this day. One of my favorite games of all time. Play that. Play Resident Evil Two Remake. Play Resident Evil Three Remake because I think they're the truest reincarnations of what their base game was. And people wouldn't agree with 3, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you wouldn't go back and play the PS1 version of Resident Evil 3 now, because the graphics just wouldn't match up to your expectations. It's so hard to go back that far in the generation, especially when it comes to Resident Evil... I kind of disagree with you on this, you know? Because Resident Evil is one of those things that, with those tank controls, I think they hold up. Like, playing Resident Evil Code Veronica, right? PS2 game, but it played exactly like a PS1 game, and it was fine. It was absolutely fine. Granted, I'm I, I've played a lot of Resident Evils, but it was fine. I think that's one of the only games you can go back and play, and it'd be fine. I'm talking about Spencer, who's had limited exposure to sort of Resident Evil, and I'm saying it's much easier for you to go to the PS4 version of Resident Evil 3 than it is to go yeah. all the way back to the PS1 version of <laughs> Resident Evil. Like, I mean, Spence, I can hook you up. I've I've literally got every Resident Evil game. If you want to play the Game Boy version of Resident Evil, I've got it. If you want to play the multiplayer PS2 <laughs> version, I, I, I can hook you up. Like, I, I, I've got them all. So just let me know. I'm pretty sure I'd be fine. I've got RE1 remaster on my PC. I know Davey has RE2 and 3 remakes. I'd probably just lend those. I'd probably just have to buy RE4. Or I might even have it on my computer. And then I have 7. 6 is the one you can miss, really. Like, what's, what is 6 adding? Yeah, I played the whole thing. I did every story but Ada yeah. Wong's. Just because neither of us want to play as Agent. Sure. 6 is fun. It. It's just not a Resident Evil game. It's, it should have been something else. It yeah. was fun. Wow. It was a fun game. Like, I'm not going to check it down. It was a fun game to play. I really enjoyed my time with it. But it's, it's not Resident Evil. One thing I'd say is that Going back to what you were saying about Resident Evil 3, uh, the remake compared to the original, right? The reason why I say the remake is because, in my opinion, and granted, this is just my opinion, and I, I probably hold the minority opinion on it, it's the truest vision of what that game is. It's a full-on escape, and it goes at full throttle. It's just nostalgia, though, mate. Like, I could say the you know original Resident Evil 2 is the best version, and it is, but I would probably, for Spencer's sake, play the remake. Remake's better than original, in my opinion. Yeah, but my my view is fueled by nostalgia because I absolutely love that game. That would be in my top five games. Yeah, yeah, like, of all it. time. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I see what you mean. 
So I think I think for Spencer, play the newest version or the remake version of that game. I think the only time that doesn't come into like fruition is when we're talking about Metal Gear Solid. You want to play the original. So yes, yeah, so you all you got to do is you got to play one to four in how long? When does it come out? April twenty twenty one. So I'd have to do it, but I don't really have any games on my list other than Sackboy. So mine, mine's quite tricky because I've already kind of said that my my number one is Resident Evil Verge. So I'm looking at the rest of the suite. It's probably Horizon for me. Horizon Forbidden West. I loved the original Horizon. Absolutely adored it. I thought it was an absolutely phenomenal game. And from one of my favorite teams in the PlayStation family in Guerrilla, seeing them move away from the Killzone franchise, take on something new and a completely different game compared to Killzone being a open world RPG. And seeing them succeed in such a way that the story's absolutely phenomenal, the combat is great, the different tools you have at your disposal. I'm just quite happy to dive back into that world and see Aloy and see what she's been up to and and go from there. I'm really keen on it and I'm really confident that that game is coming out. The only thing that I'm really gutted about is that it's cross-gen with PS4. Yeah. really gutted about that because a game like that with Gorilla and Phil you're always hyping up Gorilla and saying how good their graphics are and you totally bang on with it to see it kind of get held back by it being this cross-gen game with PS4 is disappointing completely agree with you on, on that sense you know like I'm, I'm a massive fan of Gorilla as, as much as I didn't really enjoy the Killzone series but do you think that they've got that foresight to understand that people who buy a PS5 are going to want the higher level of graphics? Are, are they going to be able to provide that compared to the PS4 version of Horizon? I think they will, yeah. Because a lot of the time, when they develop cross-platform, they scale it down, as you mentioned earlier. Do you think Gorilla are just going to be able to like genuinely provide you a PS4 version and a PS5 version? I think it's going to be much the same as Miles Morales was. That Miles Morales was, there is a big difference between the PS5 and PS4 versions. It is night and day, the comparison. Although it's not as far as like Demon's Souls is, where Demon's Souls looks just absolutely next gen. So I think it's going to be that kind of stance where the game's going to look absolutely superb, it's going to look beautiful, but it just won't be as good as it could be. And that's the thing that's always going to be on my mind is that it won't look as good as it could be, even though it's going to look, and I have no doubt about this, even though we haven't seen any gameplay yet, it's going to look sensational. And I'm confident that that game is going to be out. Fully confident in it. I always want Gorilla to like come in late into the generation, you know? Just so they can see what's possible with the current hardware. They seem to be able to get the most out of the hardware that's available at the time. Considering the games they've released, you know, like with, with Killzone Shadowfall that we always arc back to being one of the release titles, imagine a game that like they release at the end of that console generation. Imagine how graphically intense that game would be. Naughty Dog, and in this case, um, also with Ghost of Tsushima, with Sucker Punch, they seem to get the uh, the best spread where they got it on the last time. Favoritism, man. The console. Absolute favoritism, isn't it? By Sony. I think it's more of a case of just when their release dates were. So you think about Horizon Zero Dawn as what, 2017? And so that's why I'm confident this game's coming out next year because you've got a four-year four year window. 
it seems pretty likely that it would be then. So maybe what that means is that you might get another release from them later in the console generation where they can really flex everything out of the PlayStation. Whereas Naughty Dog, you might find now, might go in the middle of the generation and not have anything to put out after. So it could just be that kind of cycle. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Naughty Dog this time, and with Sucker Punch, they had two con- two games that came out that, well, I suppose three with Naughty Dog if you class the spin-off, um, spin-off Uncharted game, Lost Legacy. But you've got um, Sucker Punch launched Infamous Second Son, and then they launched Ghost, right? Whereas Naughty Dog, they had Uncharted 4 towards kind of the the early part of PlayStation 4's life, and then they ended it with Last of Us 2. So they had the chance there to really flex it by the end and everything they learned from their earlier game. Whereas with both of Guerrilla's games, they came out, sure, three years apart, four years apart, but it was still only kind of in the middle of the life cycle of the PlayStation 4 compared to the end of it in 2020 now. Do we know when release date for that? 2021. Nothing. No quarter, no actual When date, do you reckon it's coming out, boys? It's, it's got to be the second half, hasn't it? I think, for Ooh. me. Yeah. It does have to be second half, what, yeah. What kind of month are you thinking? Well, my birthday's November and I like gifts. So let's go with November for me. You're thinking November release. Wow, I, what about you, I, I'm going that late. So I think you could buy it just before my birthday and it'll hit about the 14th. <laughs> if I have to, if you're pressing me for a date, I reckon the 14th it'll come out. Or actually, you could pre-order it on the 13th and it'll come out on the 14th. Let me just do a quick date check. Yeah, the 14th of November, late on in the year, mate. A couple of days before your birthday, you might get on the 12th. That's a Friday, really. Who knows? Who knows? What, about, what do you reckon, Spence? I reckon August-ish. So probably probably mid-August, maybe early August. But um, Horizon Zero Dawn was August. I'd like to think they might do the same thing. Plus, it's kind of a fitting time for it i think i'm, I'm looking at the other games on, on, on our shared dock and there doesn't seem to be many months that go along with the games really does it it's kind of 2021 ish so it, it's very difficult because you you obviously don't want these sort of triple a titles you know overlapping as such you know so i i imagine for playstation horizon forbidden west is going to be a huge one and they don't want anything else around that sort of area you know, they don't want to consume themselves with having another competitor in that area. No, well, we know that Ratchet & Clank is coming out quarter one, quarter two, right? So that's going to be probably latest by April. I imagine it's going to be a March game, if I'm honest. I reckon it's coming out in March. I think it's going to come out in the July. Then it would mean you've got potential, potential for God of War to come out in the October, November. But... I do not see that happening in a million years, and that is why that is not on my most anticipated games. That makes a lot of sense. You're saying God of War 2022 then? I think so. I think that in their mind, they're thinking, right, this release year, God of War came out when? 2018? So 2018, so you've had three years to work on it. It's a PS4, PS5 cross game, which is unfortunate again. But you're thinking, okay, they've had three years to work on it. They got the base of it there. Obviously, they need to go to new worlds and everything else, see where the story goes. But they got their key kind of systems there. So it, it probably isn't too much work compared to how it was originally. Three years, yeah, they could probably get it out. Sure. However, I just cannot see it happening. 
I just really can't. I think that year's already stacked enough with Ratchet and with Horizon. I don't think there's any need for it for a start, but I think on their internal planning doc, when they're putting dates in, I think it makes sense to kind of have Horizon right in the middle. When you got Ratchet at the start, Horizon in the middle, God of War to end it of, of next year. I don't know what you guys think about that. I'm really interested to think how much control Sony have over these things, you know, and how, how wide a window do they need to give development agencies, you know, time to deliver on what they've promised, you know? Like, we, we've talked uh, historically on, on, on the podcast about dreams, you know, overrunning and overrunning and overrunning. So... Uh, how how it must it, it must be so mental to like schedule all these games for 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 Sony, and uh, and what happens if if it goes a month late? What happens if it goes two months late? We we got kind of mirrors into this a little bit by the Capcom leak, which we haven't talked too much on on this podcast because we don't want to spoil it for anyone else. So I'm not going to go into specifics. And we're all massive fans of Capcom, so it's very hard to talk about those leaks, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But looking at the Capcom leaks, we know the release schedule for the next, what, eight years? Yeah, something so stupid. they plan this stuff out way in advance. Now, the difference, I think, in terms of how lenient they are, is probably going to be on studio by studio and project by project. So I think if somebody like Naughty Dog, Santa Monica, in the case we've got a war, or with um, Dreams, with Media Molecule, any of these studios, I think they can kind of, they can overrun. And if they're overrunning, or with Sucker Punch now, Sucker Punch obviously in everyone's good graces, got, Ghost has done absolutely phenomenal for them. Uh, and probably with Sony Bend, with um, Days Gone. Obviously that has sold really well, and that's had a lot of public reception, and people really enjoyed that. I think with any of these studios, they can overrun, and Sony would be like, that's fine, we'll give you the time you need to get the game done. If it was someone like Housemark now with Returnal, or a smaller studio like that, I don't think they'd be as willing to be so flexible. No, I completely agree with you. I think the bigger developers, they're way more lenient because they want the game to be what people expect the game to be. Whereas people have way less expectations for these lower budget games, I suppose. Do you think that's the right stance that they should take? Or do you think it should be more of like yeah, what Xbox do, where they're like, just shit it out. Like a crackdown when that came out and everyone was like, oh, fuck me. Or with, or with Cyberpunk now. Cyberpunk's much the same. Cyberpunk's insane. So I can't believe Cyberpunk actually happened. Um, I think Sony's stance on it is probably just the best stance at the minute. Maybe maybe Nintendo as well have a good stance just because they were so honest about Metroid when they just didn't like how it was coming along. And they were just like, we're just going to start again. Fully honest with everyone. That was good. Xbox are kind of like, oh, we, we don't like how the game's going, so let's just finish it and release it, <laughs> see how much money we can make. It's Sony definitely have a better strategy than anyone else at the minute, I reckon. What I'd probably say is it all comes down to money, you know. If if they're producing a good game and it's selling a hell of a lot, and if, if that's their legacy of creating good games, then it must be so much harder for PlayStation to be able to say, you need to deliver a certain game on a certain time. Okay, they're going to have these meetings and they're going to say, here's your time frame, here's your budget. You know, you've got to, you've got to push out a game between these dates. But what, I, what I've always wanted is transparency when it comes to games. I, I hate the whole cyberpunk situation where we, we were drawn in to this game, where every, everyone seemed to love it immediately. I don't know how. This IP that no one's ever heard of. Keanu Reeves come on stage and everyone's like, brilliant, this is, this is what we want. And 
they promised so much and delivered so little. If if they were just transparent about it, we would have accepted kind of their shortcomings. That's that's kind of what I want from game producers: a little bit of transparency, a little bit of forthcoming with information. I think when it comes to that. So, do you think God of War is going to come out next year? Do I think it is? I mean, God of War is is Sony's biggest game, isn't it? At the minute, maybe so. I'd say. So. I don't know. As much as I'm, I'm still playing the God of War. And, I, and I'm not sold on the franchise. It is their biggest game, isn't it? I mean, Last of Us Uncharted? Mm, it's hard. Yeah, I'd say it it's really maybe. hard. Like, a lot of people... Definitely one of the... One of the biggest. One of the pinnacles, in it? One, one of the pillars. One of the biggest. I wouldn't see God of War as much of a console seller as Last of Us or Uncharted. Really? Okay. Namely, Last of Us. I think with God of War, obviously, they've had that... They've had so many games out before. What, what are we on? What would this be? God of War... Four, Jesus. five, six? No, it's more, it's more than that. If you, if yeah. you try, they got two yeah, PSP spin-offs. spin-offs. No, 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 no. I'm talking mainline. Like Resident Evil, what are we talking? Oh, mainline five. five. Mainline five. Oh, this will be number five. So mainline. you have that yeah, fan five. base, don't you? You know, that's that's big. Well, five would be the same as Uncharted, wouldn't it? Because we're, we're after Uncharted five. So we're all along the same levels, really, aren't we? So, yeah, you know, they, they want to get it right. And after the last one, it was a banger. So everyone seemed to like the newest God of War that I'm playing through on my stream, which is, you know, twitch.tv slash Venomville, if people want to tune in me playing through this game. I don't think they want to rush it. I don't think they need to rush it considering what I'm looking at in this Google Doc. So no, no, I, I, I'd I, be happy considering this to come out in uh, 2022. Um, I'll tell you what, I just did a bit of research. I think you might be right. Um, God of War sold over 50 million copies the whole as a series on the whole, whereas Uncharted is closer to 28 million. And Last of Us is like ten million. Or what have we seen of God close of War? to twenty million, maybe so far? The next one, nothing. Next and next and nothing. nothing we right? saw the logo. So no, I I can't yeah. see it in twenty twenty one. Sorry, guys. If it is twenty twenty one, I think it's December, and that is it. It'd be like December thirty first. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or it's twenty. There's got to be a, like a Christmas no title, chance. hasn't there? I don't know if it if it's going to be that one. I don't think it needs to be a Christmas title. You you look at you look at the first what four years or three years of the PlayStation 4's life cycle. All it was was you got till November. We're all thinking, oh, what's going to be the big game? What's going to be the big game? It get pushed into November. No, wait, sorry, it get pushed into like the March of the next year, and then all they do is they say. We teamed up with Star Wars Battlefront. We get the exclusive content of X, Y, and Z on our platform, and that was it. And that was and that was all the the benefit we had. Or or they signed the partnership with Street Fighter and Call of Duty, and they're like, yeah, that that would carry us. And they did that for like four years until they started getting to their stride in like 2017. I don't think they need it. I honestly don't think they need it. If they bring out two massive exclusives next year in um, Ratchet and Horizon. I don't think they need it, but I really hope I'm wrong. I so hope I'm wrong. What about you, Spence? What's your most anticipated game? Um, well, mine, very similar to both of you, is probably Resident Evil Village. But the game I'm actually looking forward to playing the most in 2021 is probably Kena Bridge of Spirits. So, Spence, I know nothing about this game. Can you can you fill me in? Me and the listeners, because I know nothing here. I can't fill you in too much, because I don't know a lot myself. All I've seen is the few trailers they've released. I'm not too sure how it works other than the gameplay and the art style looks really fun. The game looks beautiful and it just looks nice. It just looks like a really nice game to play. So I'm quite excited to play it. The art style is absolutely stunning, isn't it? It looks really beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like we all said about a Pixar movie, but it actually looks 
like that. It looks so nice. Yeah. It's out pretty soon, isn't it? March. March 2021. We won't have long. We won't have long until you play it. And they've not confirmed the price, but they said it's definitely less than $60. Really? So they're going for probably a $50. Yeah. Is it cross? Is it cross-gen or not? Oh, it's a timed PS5 exclusive, apparently. So what does the gameplay actually involve from what you've seen so far then, for someone like Phil who's never seen it? I don't even know, really. Just running around shooting stuff with your staff and doing magic. you got, like, little pets you shoot from a bow and stuff. All I know is the art direction really appeals to me and it looks just really fun and really nice. Um, so this is your most most anticipated game of 2021 and, and you're basing it just off an art style. Well, I don't really want to look into it, to be honest. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. Like the same as same as us when we were talking about Resident Evil. Like I don't I don't want to know anything about it. Yeah, I saw the I saw the initial trailer. I thought, oh, that looks awesome. And now I've kind of just not done any research because when it comes out, I'll, I just know I want to play it. Sure, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I think, listener, I'll I'll leave you with a bit of words of wisdom. If there's something that you are really passionate about that you really care about. Don't spoil it for yourself because trailers will ultimately give too much away. The initial reveal trailer, maybe trailer one after that, fine. Anything up past that, you're getting into spoiler territory. And if it's a new IP, sure, maybe you've got to do some more research on it. But don't spoil yourself. There's too much spoilers out there. And ultimately, what you want to do with your time, write into the show. PSWeTrust at gmail.com. Let me know what your most anticipated game of the year is. And make sure that you share this with your friends, colleagues, co-workers, friends and enemies. So that everyone can at least hear the words of wisdom that myself, Spencer and occasionally Phil has to say. But that's been it for this episode of In PS We Trust. Now I've been Davey. I have always been Phil. And I've mostly been Spencer. Take care guys. Peace! In PS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil. And Spencer, you can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at inpswetrust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at ssjdavy, at philiphoy, at spenpie underscore. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.